are on air for Fan for Racing NASCAR Race Review of Las Vegas. And joining me as co-host tonight is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Uh, thank you, Sharon. I know uh, Sal's still over there, uh, based on the pictures, thoroughly enjoying his honeymoon in uh, Paris over there. So I think he's going to be back next week. Until then, you got to put up with me one more time. <laughs> Actually, he called me uh, just about uh, a half hour ago to let me know that he's back uh, in the States, but he just got back, so I'm sure there's some serious jet lag taking place there. But uh, it sounds like he had a really, really good time. He said he's about creped out. He's had crepe, crepe, crepes everywhere, (laughs) and uh, he's ready for some (laughs) bacon and eggs and potatoes. So uh, (laughs) it's... it's, (laughs) Uh, I think uh, I think it was a, a great honeymoon, and uh, we are looking forward to having him back on next Monday night's show. He's already got uh, some guests lined up, so uh, definitely looking forward to uh, having Sal come back with us. But, Jay, we've really enjoyed having you step into his place while he's been gone uh, here on Fan for Racing Race Review uh, because uh, we couldn't have had a show without you. Well, it's my pleasure. Again, I'm normally available on Mondays, uh, either listen to you and Sal or uh, still come on for hot topics. So stepping in, no problem. I I enjoy it, whether it be talking about the race we had or the race coming up. And, you know, and it's going to be a good one tonight. Hot Topics is always a great show. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Just uh, a quick reminder here, too. Uh, For those that are listening to the live broadcast here tonight, we do have a chat room at fanforracing.com where you can post your questions or comments throughout the show, and Jay and I will monitor that throughout our show tonight. I put a few uh, kind of topics out there already uh, for people to respond to if you want to uh, post your response there. You never know. We might mention you uh, by your chat room handle. Uh, and uh, uh, you may hear that uh, right here on our radio show tonight. So just a reminder that we do have that available. All right. And I know that we've been building that up. Uh, hopefully get some more uh, participation throughout the year on that. Uh, I think it's a great feature. I know we love doing it during uh, during race days. Actually, uh, yesterday, none of us are available during the race to do it, but I did have one of the regulars there uh, message me and be like, hey, anybody in the chat room? I said, no, and none of us were sitting, uh, able to, to do it yesterday, though. So uh, it does seem to be grilling. Yes, I think people are interested, especially in that race day chat. And if you haven't taken part in that, you definitely want to join us. Uh, I think I'm going to be available for both race day chats uh, this weekend, so we can probably put that up again. And uh, I know fans will be looking forward to that returning this weekend. Okay, I do want to give kind of a quick overview of what we're going to talk about here during the first half hour and for the rest of our show. Uh, And that is in this first half hour, we'll give a few updates on the Arkham Menard Series and the Arkham Menard Series East. <clears throat> before we get into the Arco West season opener that took place at the Bullring at Las Vegas this weekend. That race, by the way, I'm so excited that I get to watch the races live this season. So I feel a little more knowledgeable about talking about those races uh, here on the radio show. <clears throat> but for those fans that did not get a chance 
uh, to watch the live broadcast on NBC Gold. You will be able to watch that race tomorrow night on, or actually, yeah, tomorrow night it is, at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC Sports Network. It's the Star Nursery 150 for the ARCA West, their season opener, and uh, it was a pretty pretty interesting race to watch. Sam Mayer, uh, so I don't want to get into that just yet because I haven't told you what we're going to do on the rest of the show yet. Uh, but uh, we'll do all of that in the first half hour. At 9 o'clock, I do want to get into the Gander Outdoor RV and Outdoor Truck Series race at Las Vegas uh, with Kyle Bush as the winner there. At 9.20, we get into the Xfinity Series. Chase Briscoe, great finish and win for him in the Xfinity Series. Uh, We'll review that. And then, of course, the Cup Series at 9.40 with uh, the race winner being uh, Joey Logano. Uh, And I'm regretting not getting to you and changing my pick. (laughs) I really wanted to change my pick to Joey Logano. And I got so busy, I didn't get back to you to make that change. But... uh, at any rate, we'll we'll talk about that race at 9.40. 10 o'clock, of course, is our Hot Topic Sound Off, and uh, that's when we'll talk about the hottest topics from the weekend of racing. And we have a few topics that I'm sure uh, will be interesting during that half hour and uh, probably into our overtime segment as well. So uh, pretty pretty much to talk about to, here on Panther Racing uh race review tonight well i'll tell you this getting kind of prelude to it but uh i'll try not to take up that whole first half hour before we go into the overtime segment with uh with what i'm fired <laughs> up about i know the crew here at uh, fan for we keep in touch throughout the weekend yeah it's going to be a hot hot topic for me <laughs> i think so so fans definitely stay tuned for that Okay, getting back to the Star Nursery 150, uh, again, it will be on NBC Sports Network tomorrow, uh, February the 25th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, But before we get into that actual race, I want to kind of do a little bit of a review with the Arca Menard Series uh, and the East, the Arca East. Uh, Now, the Arca Menard Series already has had their season opener at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, Michael Self was the pole winner. He went on to be the race winner of that race. And uh, next up for them is going to be the General Tire 150 at Phoenix Raceway. And this is going to be so, so cool. It takes place on March the 6th because they're going to be on the national stage with the NASCAR top three that are also going to be racing out at Phoenix Raceway. So uh, this is the first time, this is kind of a historic thing, because this is the first time that I know of anyway, that the Arkham Menard series has gone west. (laughs) This is typically a Midwest series, so for them to be going out to Phoenix Raceway is a really big deal. It is, and as you mentioned, the, the expansion, the combination of NASCAR actually taking over the Arca Menard Series um, and purchasing them, and the schedule they have put together this year and getting that exposure I think has been a great, great thing. And this is one of those steps of the main Arca Series from coming up further west, like you mentioned, and, and, and spreading out from the Midwest. So uh, I know Sal has mentioned it a couple of times that, uh, you know, he has a tough time keeping up with it because, again, it has to be all through social media. 
but you're going to get to experience that some now. Exactly. Some, you know, sometimes he wasn't able to catch a, a broadcast uh, or it wasn't available in the West. It, it was more of a Midwest thing. So uh, now he'll be able to follow along with us, and he knows uh, he'll understand why we're so excited about this series. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the other series that I want to make sure we mention is the Arkham and Art series East. And this is really uh, kind of timely because uh, the, that race uh, actually had their season opener at New Smyrna, and that was before the uh, Arkham and Art series opener at Daytona. Sam Mayer won that event, and um, uh, he was Derek Griffith was the pole winner and ended up finishing second in that race. I think he's going to be an up-and-coming name for fans to keep their eyes on in this series. But what's really cool is Sam Mayer uh, won the season opener for the Arkham Art Series East, but he also won the season opener for the Arkham Art Series West. He did, and that's something we've seen in the past that once, uh, or I mean from Todd Gillen, I don't know what Sam Mayer's plans are for the entire season, but we're going to see more of that, I think, and especially as these teams, both the East, West, and the main Arcus Series, combine for those 10-race showdowns. So uh, it might be one of those where you maybe see somebody do that double again on the East and West. Yes, I I do think we're going to see more of that, Sal. Or Sal, I'm sorry, Jay. We are going to see more of that, Jay. And uh, I, I really think it's going to be uh, fun for fans uh, to watch this uh, new format under the Arkham and Art Series and NASCAR. Now, the next race coming up in the Arkham and Art Series East is at Five Flag Speedway, the Pensacola 200 presented by Inspectra Thermal Solutions. That will take place on March the 14th. So uh, fans will definitely need to mark their calendars for that event. Uh, And and I'll let you go from there because I I know you've got some good commentary there as well. Yeah, I haven't been down there again. I know last year they had the Arkham Menard series itself there. This year they're going to get the east side of it. Um, But that speedway, and I've been – Went to part of the Snowball Derby this year. Uh, Unfortunately, with the rain delay, we weren't able to attend the entire thing. But an awesome, awesome facility there in Pensacola, Florida. Yes, indeed. A lot of you are familiar with the Snowball Derby. Well, it takes place at Five Flags Speedway. And this is where the Arkham and Art Series East is headed to next. So really excited about that race. And uh, I know that... uh, uh, they're going to put on a pretty good show. Now, Five Flags Speedway was on the schedule for the Arkham Menard Series last year, uh, and they've kind of switched that over to the East uh, for this season. So that's going to be interesting as well. I think it's going to be really interesting there with, uh, again, the Men- Arkham Menard's main series. Uh, again, last year they were two separate, but the uh, the East coming to that facility for the first time, some of those drivers it will be the first time at that track and again, I think that with the building of the combined series the way it is, we're going to see some bigger and bigger fields throughout this year, as we already have in the first two East and West races. Yes, indeed. All right. Now, I do want to switch over now to the Arkham and Art Series West season opener that took place uh, this past week. They raced at uh, the Bull Ring, 
the, the, previously they were having their season opener at, on the dirt track at Las Vegas, uh, but this was at the Bull Ring this time. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, Sam Mayer makes it two in a row, winning both season openers in the East and the West. Uh, So two checkered flags, two races, two checkered flags, two trophies, and two wins for Sam Mayer. Uh, That sounds like a great way to start off a 2020 season. Uh, He dominated most of that race, uh, Jay, but uh, I'll tell you there was a lot of racing behind him. And... uh, uh, I really think uh, this is going to be a fun one for fans to watch. It certainly is. Um, and as we've seen, Sam Bear coming off of winning the East Championship, returning, going to defend that championship. You know, sometimes we see drivers move on. Um, coming back with authority, obviously, winning both the East and the West season openers. Like I said, I don't know what his full schedule for the year is. Um but we'll have to wait and see. I, I anticipate seeing him run, obviously, for the East Championship a second time, probably making all of the showdown races. And we'll have to see how many of these West races he might actually do. You know, GMS obviously putting a lot into their uh, developmental program, as well as behind mm-hmm. Sam Mayer. So we're going to see his name coming up more and more. Yes, indeed. I do agree. Uh, I will say, too, that uh, – uh, there were a lot of uh, other drivers uh, that we don't normally hear their names, some of the new and up-and-coming drivers uh, that uh, you're going to hear about in this race. One includes the second-place finisher, Jesse Love, uh, just 15 years old. He led a total of 12 laps in his first career West start. Uh, he's with, uh, also there was Sunrise Ford's Blaine Perkins. Uh, he came home in third place in his first start with the team. And Gracie Trotter came home in fourth place, followed by Trevor Huddleston, another Sunrise Ford driver, rounding out that top five. So uh, pretty cool uh, to see some new names in the series. Most certainly as an ad series do lose what you call their top drivers, you know, don't take that as a bad thing because then you see that next generation, which I find just as exciting. You know, it's great to see these teams do, do really good and then move up. That's what we want, the career progression. But don't think that these lower series or other series are going to hurt because of it because there are drivers that are going to step in, and we see that with that top five listing there. Again, Sam Mayer, Jesse Love, Glenn Perkins uh, moving over from the late models. So, And then Trevor Huddleston returning. Again, I think you're going to start seeing his name pop up more and more towards the top of these lists. Without a doubt. Now, looking at the next 10, uh, you're going to recognize a few of these names, but again, there's some uh, new names here. Lawless Allen uh, finishing in sixth place, Jack Wood, Todd Souza, Austin Reed, and Gio Scalzi uh, rounds out the top 10 finishers in this race. Uh, we've seen a couple of those, as you mentioned before, but then you got rookie Gio Scalzi. Uh, Lawless Allen, great run for him in the sixth place, uh, sixth place finish there after starting 10th. Uh, that's another one that has been around, but doesn't always get the recognition, um, due to some other top names there, if you will. So I think this is going to be a good year for him. I agree. I totally agree with you. Uh, now do you want to go over some of the other results here? All right. Uh, 11th place. And this is one that's been in this, uh, West series. 
Takuma Koga comes home 11th. He's another one I think uh, as the season goes, you're going to see more and more of. Then we got another rookie, Holly Holland, in the JBL Napa Filters Bill McAnally machine. Bobby Hillis Jr. And then some more rookies, Joey Iced, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing pronouncing that right. I, I think uh, that, another, yeah, that's okay. Okay. Uh, Chris Loudon is a rookie. Zach Kelford we talked about on the preview show. Uh, another rookie with the driving for a family team. And Bridget Burgess, unfortunately, finishing in the 17th position there. Exactly. And I think she's coming over uh, from uh, across the way, if you will. <laughs> she's not an uh, – like Takuma Koga is from Japan. Well, Bridget Burgess uh, is uh, from outside the country as well. I want to say Great Britain. I can't really see that flag very well. You know, that's but what I was looking at. I was, trying, I was trying to – I think it actually <laughs> might be New Zealand. Isn't New Zealand the one? And for fans that don't know, on the sheet we're looking at, it doesn't – actually, let me see if I click on her name if it tells us. But it has a little picture I of the flag. I tried that. Yeah. Oh, it didn't work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, not not up to date on my world flags, but uh, we'll make sure we get that if official information for you. But yeah. I'm thinking it might be New Zealand. Exactly, uh, and it may very well be. I can't, like you said, we can't really see the flag. Now she had some issues. She had a rear gear go out, so that's why she finished in the place where she felt. Uh, finished also. Zach Telford had brakes, as did Chris Loudon. Uh, their brakes went out, and that's why they finished uh, uh, respectively 15, 16, and 17th in this race. Uh, again, it was a fun race to watch. Some of these drivers that you're seeing here, we saw them uh, up and racing uh, and battling for position throughout the race, and, and uh, it was it was indeed a very fun race to watch. Uh, and I would encourage everybody to check it out uh, tomorrow evening. If you can't catch it tomorrow evening, make sure you set the DVR to catch it. Um, <clears throat> just to kind of uh, break this down, there were um, about, uh, I'm looking at the caution flags here, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, let's see, one, two, three, Four caution flags uh, throughout this event, so that's not very many. And uh, it, the average green flag run was 25.6 laps. The percent of uh, race run under caution was 14.7, just to give you a perspective there. Uh, let's see. We had uh, two lap leaders, uh, pretty much uh, that fluctuated between Sam Mayer and Jesse Love throughout the event. Uh, and, of course, Sam Mayer takes the points lead uh, in this series. And uh, like you mentioned, and I wasn't able to watch it live, I'm hoping to catch your DVR that uh, replay tomorrow. But following along on social media that they do a great job of updating you on, if you, if you go to the Ark and Menard series or follow along on Twitter, uh, you're right, the drivers were up on the wheel Especially again, Jesse Love up there. Jesse Love up there battling with Sam Mayer. Obviously had a little bit more dominant car, but they knew Jesse Love was there and in contention with them. And if you look at the series points uh, breakdown, uh, Sam Mayer is in first at 49 points. Jesse Love is just six points behind him. Two points behind him is Blaine Perkins. 
And Gracie Trotter is just one Trotter is just one point behind Blaine Perkins. Trevor Huddleston, one point behind Gracie Trotter, uh, rounding out that top five. And it continues just one point, one point, one point. Uh, I know we're early in the season, uh, but I think we're going to see that change uh, quite a bit throughout this season. And as as one of those dedicated race fans, it's hard not to already be thinking about points and championship. Like you said, one race, some of these guys might not race all this all the uh, races, uh, even on the west side, whether or not Sam Mayer runs them all. So you're already thinking about that and who might move up and some of the battles we're going to see throughout the year. And and yeah, I get super excited about that, especially after you know the the top national series have two races in. We've seen some changes already, some big names that aren't up there that we expect to be. So it's if so who goes up, who goes down, just makes for some great, exciting anticipation into that next race. Yes, indeed. Um, so Arca Menards, uh, ArcaRacing.com has a lot of great articles that they put up. Uh, Davey Siegel, who was writing for NASCAR Home Tracks, is now writing at uh, Arca Racing, and uh, he always does a great job of uh, putting up the race uh, previews, the recaps, as well as uh, what we learned uh, from the races, and uh, he's right. All he does is win, and they're talking about Sam Mayer. Sam Mayer, by the way, had a really special car that he was driving in this event to honor uh, Clark Spencer, a driver who was uh, unfortunately involved in a fatal car accident in New Mexico uh, a few years ago. And even though uh, Sam Mayer said running the paint scheme that he ran to honor him uh, this weekend, uh, he did feel a connection there, even though there's a generational gap. So uh, you can read about that uh, at ArcaRacing.com as well. Two things to hit on there. Um, talking about that paint scheme, that is one of those competitors aside, frustrations aside. When something like that happens, you see the racing community come together like no other. Um, and that was a really mm-hmm. great paint scheme that Sam Mayer did, that team, um, in honoring him. So uh, shout out to them for that. And then you mentioned uh, Davey Seagal. Uh, I saw him doing some Facebook Live uh, updates as well from the track. I love to see that. Again, as this Arkham and Art series builds now under NASCAR's leadership, I think you're going to see bigger and greater things, more exposure for all the series, as well as more coverage. Yes, indeed. Uh, also, uh, Sam Mayer, rec- as you mentioned, recognized that Jesse Love was there <laughs> driving the number 19. He said he was going pretty hard there at the beginning, and you could see he was sideways off the corner on lap six, Mayer said. So I was like, you can go and have your fun leading some laps, and he came back to me pretty quick. Can't thank everybody at GMS and all they and what they do for me. So he definitely noticed that uh, Jesse Love was there. Well, and as the season goes, I think he's not only going to notice that he's there, but possibly in front of him as well. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see, but, yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, Now, Bill McAnally was back on track. Uh, Their outing at the East was not uh, what we normally see from Bill McAnally Racing. Uh, but they were back on track here. Uh, we mentioned Gracie Trotter uh, finishing in fourth place. 
uh, and uh, some of the other drivers there. Uh, Geo Scalzi, I know, is one of them. Uh, so you know, Jesse Love is a BMR driver. So uh, they really had some good showings uh, at uh, at uh, Las Vegas. They most certainly did. And again, I think we're, you know we're still looking at Bob Bucati Bob Bucati racing as well as Bill McAnally racing as kind of the top two in that series. But we're going to see some others again this year, especially get start mixing it up with them. Uh, you know, it's one of those once you have that carrot to chase and they've set that standard. Other teams are going to up their game. Other drivers get the opportunity with some top teams. Uh, I think we're going to see that start to uh, maybe decrease a little bit and, and be a little bit more competitive, which is always a great thing for the sport and for the series. Without a doubt. Now, Trevor Huddleston, uh, he had a top-five finish, as did Blaine Perkins uh, finishing in third. Uh, and I'll tell you what, they're talking about Perkins here being a dark horse. People on the West Coast don't see it that way. Perkins on the West Coast was a favorite going into this race. Uh, he comes over from the SRL Southwest Touring Series, and uh, he's won championships uh, in in uh, both the Irwindale as well as uh, Kern County Raceway. So in the uh, in the NASCAR Wheel and All American Series. So. He is uh, definitely going to be one to watch, I think, this season. Uh, and I would, uh, I, from my point of view, I don't see him as a dark horse at all. I think he's definitely one to watch uh, this entire season. Uh, and we are looking to get Bill McAnally here on Fan for Racing Radio sometime soon. Uh, so definitely look forward uh, to talking with him when we're able to get that worked out. I hope so. I got to talk to him when I was at Memphis Speedway. I did an article on the team that he had at that point last season. Uh, great guy to talk to. So invested in this sport. He's taken uh, that team now from the West Coast and, and yeah. developed a truck a team with Derek Krause, um, who got a top five finish at Daytona. What he gives to that sport, what he is to young developing drivers is just unbelievable. And going back to, back to uh, you mentioning Blaine Perkins, that's a case of, as Sal said about the ARCA Menard series, mm-hmm. for us it is that West Coast. And I know he's been on uh, multiple times here on Fan for Racing, but that super late model from the West Coast especially, tough to get some information here where we're at Midwest or on the East Coast. Um, there's ways out there, mm-hmm. you know, if you go through social media, you can find it. But I think that this is one of those, like you said, he's not really a dark horse. People just don't realize what he's done and what he can do. But I think they will this year. I think you're right. All right. So uh, very, very excited. Now, next up uh, for the Arkham Menard Series, whoops, I I must have dropped it here. It is going to be Irwindale. Uh, I do recall that. Let me bring it up here again. All right. Well, while you're doing that, I will tell you, I did uh, use another tab there and Googled it. The best we can tell on that miniature flag comparing it, I do believe that is New Zealand flag there for Bridget Burgess. Oh, okay. Very cool. So we'll we'll get more information on her because I think she uh, is a driver that uh, we may see better results from her as the season progresses. Uh, and maybe we can do a feature on her, uh, Jay. All right, I can look into that and uh, see what we can come up with. That would be cool. 
Okay, they are racing at Irwindale Speedway on March the 28th. Uh, so I would definitely look for, definitely look for Blaine Perkins to be a favorite going into Irwindale Speedway, uh, and it will be interesting if uh, Sam Mayer comes back for that one because uh, they're, they're, I think those are the guys that are going to be going head to head there. And I would put Trevor uh, Huddleston in that mix as well because he is very good at Irwindale Speedway as well. And that's where you're right. You are going to see that talent and, and understand that that is where he comes from. So you're right. As as we get closer to that and do the preview show, you're going to hear us talk about Blaine Perkins' history at that track as well as Trevor Huddleston. So uh, that might be one of those where if Sam Mayer comes back, you're going to have a little bit stiffer competition. <laughs> I believe so. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I hope it. I hope. I hope so. We'll put it that way. All right, we're coming up to the top of the hour here, and uh, that means that it is time for us to get into our Gander Outdoor RV and Outdoor Truck Series race. Uh, the third annual Strat 200 t- took place at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on Friday night. Uh, team 50, the number 51 for Joe Gibbs. Actually, for Kyle Busch Motorsports, uh, with uh, Kyle Busch as the driver and Danny Stockman Jr. as the crew chief, won the third annual uh, Strat 200. It was his 57th victory, amazing, in 151 Gander Outdoor Truck Series races. It was also his first victory and first top 10 finish this year. Uh, it also represents his third victory and fourth top ten finish in four races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Johnny Sauter finished second, posting his tenth top ten finish in 14 races at Las Vegas, and it is his second top ten finish this season. Austin Hill in third, posting his third top ten finish in five races at the Speedway at Las Vegas, and Zane Smith was the highest finishing rookie, finishing sixth in this race. Uh, now, Johnny Sauter leads the point standings by just one point off over Austin Hill, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Uh, but let's go back to Kyle Busch uh, uh, being at the top of this list. We went over the top uh, three. Matt Crafton uh, came in in fourth place, and it was Ben Rhodes, also from Thor Sport Racing, uh, finishing and rounding out that top five. Any thoughts there, Jay? I got a lot of thoughts there. i got to start at the top <laughs> with Kyle Busch. Uh, it'll come up during Hot Topics. Uh, here at Fan mm-hmm. for Racing, though, we report the results and the news, not for or against any driver. So that is his seventh truck, race, uh, truck series race win in a row. He went five for five last year and had one the year prior, and he won his first one out this year. Again, at this point, nothing he is doing is wrong based on the rules that NASCAR has set. Uh, we'll get into mm-hmm. that in Hot Topics and see how that changes, but you can't argue against it. I mean, he comes in, and other drivers have won in that truck, so you know it's the top truck. I believe that's the one Greg Biffle won his race in last year. So um, it is what it is. You can't deny him. I mean, you know, and, and I believe it was Johnny Sauter uh, made a comment about it. That's when you know if he's there and you beat him, you know where you're at because that's who you got to rank against. <laughs> exactly. And 
trust me, every one of these guys want to do their best to beat Kyle Busch because they know that they've really accomplished something if they're able to do that. Now, looking at the next ten, next five drivers, we have Zane Smith, the highest finishing rookie, then Todd Gilliland finishing seventh, Tanner Gray, another rookie in eighth place, Stuart Friesen finishing ninth, and Sheldon Creed, who actually was contending up at the top there for a while, he finished in tenth place. Again, you can talk for minutes, uh, if not longer, on each one of these, but some good runs there. Zane Smith is a rookie, obviously. Good run, finishing sixth. Todd Dillon moving over to Ford, making the switch over to Ford with the uh, DGR Crosley team now. Um, had a good run, like you said, up there contending, ended up with seventh-place finish. Tanner Gray coming over from straight-line racing, drag racing, got his uh, a top ten there. Stuart Friesen, another one that made a manufacturer change. So, you know, it's a. Some people believe it's really not that big a deal. It is, and you know, to kind of mm-hmm. you almost not a complete reset. I mean, it's still a truck series. You know, same style of equipment, but there are differences. And Stuart Friesen, uh, as a driver stepping up, that team as a t- as a team stepping up, uh, working with Toyota now. Good run for them. And then you mentioned Sheldon Creed. And this is one that I know we talked about Sharon offline. Um, He's got speed. He's got talent. Needs to work on closing races a little bit because that 10th place finish isn't indicative where he ran throughout the race. You know, whatever the reason it is, week in, week out, uh, that finish isn't always where where indicate where he ran. So uh, I hope to see some more progression out of him this year. Okay. Now, Kyle Busch uh, uh, actually won stage one. He won stage two. And, of course, he won stage three as well. So pretty much dominated that race. There were five caution flags for a total of 25 laps in this event and 15 lead changes among five drivers, including Johnny Sauter, uh, Sheldon Creed that we just mentioned, Kyle Busch, Christian Eckes, a rookie right up there at the front, and Jordan Anderson, uh, are the five drivers leading at some point throughout this event. Uh, and then let's uh, go ahead and talk about the point standings and how they look at All this right. point. Give me one second. I was trying to pull that up real quick because I knew that's where we were going to go. Um, there's a strat 200. There we go, driver points. Breaking, breaking down the driver points. Now, again, this is after only two races. They'll have a couple weeks off before they go to Atlanta. But your current points leader is Austin Hill. Uh, second, they'll go to Johnny Sauter. He is nine points back. Then you have Ben Rhodes, and there's a little bit of a gap here. Ben Rhodes, 22 points back, but then it gets separated by those single-digit points like we've talked about in other series. Brett Moffitt, one more back. Sheldon Creed, one more back. That's your top five. Rookie Zane Smith, uh, sixth place, uh, 25 back. 26 back is Grant Infinger. Now, he does have the win uh, already this year coming out of Daytona, so that will make sure he get moves up the list once they start the playoffs. Eighth goes to this, another rookie, Christian Ecke, as Sharon mentioned, and then Todd Gillen and Cody Robal. And that rounds out your top ten and puts it at 29 points, and Stuart Friesen is actually tied in 11th at 29 points as well. Cody Robal right now owning the tiebreaker with the highest finish so far this season. And the reason I went through all 10 there, again, this year, the truck series going to 10 drivers going into the playoffs. So right now, as it sits, those are your 10 contending for the playoffs. 
Okay, well, we've got a long way to go, Jay, <laughs> before we get there. Uh, but uh, I, I know there's already some speculation about who are going to be the 10 drivers to make that this season, and uh, we'll certainly keep everybody informed as we continue uh, to follow the series throughout this season. Now, I do have some post-race audio here uh, from uh, our race winner of this event, and that would be, of course, Kyle Busch. Uh, he won... Uh, the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series on Friday night in the number 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Joining him in this post-race interview, though, is his crew chief, Danny Stockman, Jr. So we'll go to that now, okay? All right. I'm going to play, I think, about five minutes of this. All right. We're going to continue with our... Post-race um, interviews this after, or this evening, I should say, with our race winner, Kyle Busch, driver of the number 51 Cessna Toyota, and his race-winning crew chief, Danny Stockman. This is Kyle's um, 57th victory in 151 Gander Outdoors Truck Series races. So, congratulations, guys. Um, we'll take questions for Kyle or Dan- Danny. If you have one, please raise your hand, state your name and affiliation, and who would like to kick us off? Cool. Bye. All right. We're going to start in the back. Davey Siegel with Front Stretch right here, Kyle. Um, Numbers-wise, in your seven wins, you've led 73% of the laps. That's 726 of 989. Does it feel that easy to you in the car? I mean, those numbers are pretty astounding. Uh, I mean, we... We certainly worked really, really hard. Uh, it wasn't like we unloaded and knew that we had a great piece and that we were just going to go out there and dominate like that. We worked for it. They, these guys do. Uh, all the preparation at the shop comes a long way um, with, with Danny, with, with Rudy, with Hillman, um, you know, the guys we've had in the past as well, too. So um, it's just been really, really cool, the, the equipment that we have going right now. Um, and then, obviously, just uh, the talent also that we have right now. Our, our groups of guys, the, the core of them, have been together now for a long time, and it's nice to, to keep some, some familiarity around KBM uh, with the faces that are there and, and bring in some experience like Stockman here to be able to uh, help facilitate growing uh, the 51 team to a, to a top-notch team. All right. Go ahead. This is Johnny Crane of KLJX LP Flagstaff. My question is for you, Kyle. You have a history here of winning in your hometown, no matter what series you play. Do these wins resonate more with you, or is it just business as usual and just another day at the track? Uh, I mean, it, it does mean a little bit more, but um, you still got to treat it as though it's, it's business as usual. I mean, we travel so much and we go to so many different racetracks every single week that um, you know, being able to to go to the to go to the Daytona 500 and race that race as any other race and not race it like there's butterflies in your stomach or you're nervous or the this or the that. Uh, that's why you kind of got it. And same thing with the championship race. When you get to the final four and you have that championship race, having any sort of nerves is, is going to back you up. So, um, you know, it's all about trying to keep calm, stay cool, and um, and do what's, what you need to do. And uh, same thing goes for the home track here. And even last night in the late model race, you know, I hadn't been in one of them things in a long, long time, and it was cool to uh, be able to come back and, and win that race as well too. All right, we'll come up front. Chris and Edder both have questions. Jim Utter, Motorsport.com. For Danny or Kyle, whichever one of you feels better to answer this, but I had a new tire this weekend that's going to be used in all three series. 
some people had some cording problems. Did you guys have any uh, experience, any problems tonight? And I have a follow-up for Danny. Go ahead, brother. Now, um, there was obviously some wear. Uh, we, we, we ran a tire similar to this uh, last year in the Cup Series, so I kind of knew that we would have some issues like this. And um, I think our truck turned well enough to where it didn't wear the, the left front tire out like a lot of people. So um, we did not have any issues. And, uh, Danny, as a follow-up, uh, this was your first race at the racetrack. Uh, I mean, you've been working at the shop, but what did it feel like to get a race under your belt? Well, we are actually in Daytona last week. But, um, you know, it's the uh, first one with the boss. How about that? Yeah, I mean, it's. I told Kyle it's like, I was zero to hero in a, in a week, you know, or a couple months, and um, it's awesome to have this opportunity to get, you know, it, it, being a crew chief, it's about having high enough stock, right? And there's a lot of people that like to have my job, and you just got to fight hard every day, and um, it's an opportunity that Kyle's given me. We're going to take make the most of it, and then uh, crew chiefs don't make drivers. Drivers make crew chiefs, so... Um, going to be pretty fun. I, I think it goes both ways, but um, we've got some cool talent coming in the 51 this year with Christian, or not Christian, with Chandler, and um, you know, hopefully these two will put on a good show. Okay, some uh, pretty interesting commentary there, uh, and I want to get your thoughts, Jay. Well, I think the big thing focused on, as you mentioned there, uh, Danny Stockman. Not only are they a top team, but to still be able to bring in that kind of experience uh, when that opportunity became available, as Kyle said, you know, to bring that experience in and grow even stronger. Uh, you know, that focus, you don't, you don't want to, how do I say it, sit on your laurels or think that you're at the king of the, king of the mountain at the top of the hill and can't nobody take you down. They're still working on improving and making things better, which is a scary thought, but... Um, you know, and Kyle gave credit to that. The crew that's there, the crew that has been there in the past, maybe isn't anymore, whether it be drivers or crewmen, and just the continuation of that. And I think that Danny Stockman does bring a lot to that team. Yes, I, indeed he does. And, and you know, as much as the crew chief plays an important role, and he does, uh, without a doubt, uh, a lot of kudos to Kyle Bush as well because – uh, this guy can take a truck that's maybe not at its best and give the right feedback to the crew chief so that he can do his job and make the corrections that are needed to help him, you know, be there at the end uh, to get that win. And uh, uh, it, it truly is a team effort. And uh, I thought it was interesting that Danny Stockman said uh, uh, the crew chiefs don't make the driver. It's the driver who makes the crew chief. And uh, I, I think that's true in a lot of ways. And I think it's that ability to be able to communicate the right things to the crew chief uh, for the crew chief to be able to do his job is, is critical in this. I, I agree with that to a degree. However, it's it's one of those of you can have a great one if you don't have the other one. And you mentioned it, that communication both ways, understanding what that driver is asking for, telling you, and being able to put it into the car, that's all on the crew chief. So uh, I wouldn't say it's 50-50. I, I do agree that, you know, maybe it's a little bit more so, like Danny Stockman said, that the driver makes the crew chief. But it is not 
uh, all without the other because you have to have both. You've got to have that communication. And from that, taking that communication, like I said, putting it into the car, which that does come from the crew chief and that engineer team that they have. Yes, indeed. And, and uh, uh, you know, Danny Sackman talking, too, about going from zero to hero uh, and, and how quickly it can happen with a victory. Uh, and uh, you can certainly look to Kyle Busch to bring home a victory in this series because, as you mentioned earlier, seven consecutive victories every time he gets into the truck, uh, you can pretty much count on uh, Kyle Busch bringing home a victory. Uh, Now, these other drivers behind him are really racing hard uh, to go after him because uh, they want to beat Kyle Busch. So that makes the interesting, uh, that makes the racing very, very interesting for the rest of the field. It certainly does, and uh, you know, throughout the throughout the season, again, that is their primary goal of uh, elevating their program to reach that pinnacle. And like I said, a lot of fans don't like that certain uh, aspect of it, but to me, that's that carrot dangling out there, and you've got to be able to chase that. And what I what I really like is the fact that Kyle is at the top. He's making his own carrot to chase, whether it be records he's breaking or knocking down. You know, going after 100 victories, he's putting that own carrot out there. So that's what I think separates him and that team from the rest to a, to a certain level. That That's a good point, Jay, because uh, uh, Kyle Busch does kind of uh, stand out from all the rest uh, with regard to, you know, the skill that he brings to the track every week. Uh, and in this truck series, uh, he's, he's definitely got uh, got everything going for him. Uh, and he knows how to go out there and win. The other thing that's amazing here is the mentor role that uh, Kyle Busch takes on every week at the track, too, because I know that there have been drivers, uh, past and present, uh, that lean on Kyle Busch and ask him the questions uh, to help them improve their skills at the track. And uh, I think that uh, he he does a lot of that at the track that he doesn't always get credit for. You're 100% right there. Again, it, a lot of what uh, is portrayed, and I'm not saying that some of it isn't accurate, but the image of Kyle Busch as it is perceived by the mass majority of the public is one way. What he does for these teams when he is in the garage area with these young drivers doesn't get as much recognition, but those within the industry know it and will tell you so. Um, so that you're right, that, that he is a huge asset to this truck series for that reason. Right, without a doubt. Um, now, uh, the next race uh, for the uh, truck series is going to, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, they're going to be off here for a couple of weeks. Uh, they had the first two races at Daytona and Las Vegas, but their next race will be on Saturday, March the 14th, and that will be at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So they'll be off this week, uh, and we can look forward to them returning back to the track on March the 14th. Uh, but some of the best racing, I think, in NASCAR is in this in this truck series. And uh, if you haven't watched them yet, I really encourage you uh, to take some time out on Saturday, March the 14th, to watch these guys race out at Atlanta. Well, and you're talking about one of the fastest tracks in NASCAR. 
even comparing to the super speedways, it ranks right up there. So uh, Atlanta is a very special track, and there you talk about tire wear. And that was the other thing I was going to talk about real quick um, with this race. I think Goodyear did a great job. I know there was some concerns about, as, as Danny Stockman answered a question about the tire wear, but that also gave us that real competitive on-track action and some different mm-hmm. st- pitch strategies. And there again, crew chiefs got to watch the setups they put in these trucks to make sure that they don't overdo it. So I, I think it adds another great element, and I hope to see NASCAR and Goodyear working together to maybe do that through uh, through the years at some of these other tracks that maybe haven't provided as gr- good a side-by-side and that tire fall-off plays a huge factor in, in some of these races. It does, and uh, uh, it puts the management back into uh, the driver's hands and, and how he works with his crew chief, and uh, it does make for great racing. So I, I thought it was fantastic. All right, uh, we are coming up on uh, nine. Um, 9.20 here, and that means that it is time for us to move on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series review. And uh, the race winner was Chase Briscoe at the age of 25, driving the number 98 Ford Performance Racing School Ford. Uh, his owner, of course, is Gene Haas. His crew chief, Richard Boswell the second. Uh, Chase Briscoe won the 24th annual Boyd Gaming 300, his third victory in 52 Xfinity Series races, his first victory and second top 10 finish this year, and his first victory and second top 10 finish in four races that he has started at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Austin Sendrick finished second, posting his second top 10 finish in five races at Las Vegas, and it is his first top 10 finish this year. Ryan Sieg, what a great finish for him, finishing third, posting his second top 10 finish in 10 races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The highest finishing rookie was Harrison Burton, coming home with a fifth place finish. Fantastic for him. Uh, with this victory, Chase Briscoe currently leads the point standings by seven points over Noah Gregson, who was last week's race winner. Again, some great stories here in this Xfinity series where names are made, and Chase Briscoe is making his literally carrying the Ford banner, if you will, with that Ford Racing School or Ford Performance Racing School on his car. One of only the two Fords yeah. that happened to run back to back this weekend, but we know that Chase is going to be a contender. He was last year um, battling against the the big three that have moved on, but I think again this is going to be his breakout year and chance to highlight himself even more so than in years past. Okay, and I'm gonna I'm just going to kind of mention here. Uh, Jay has submitted an article about uh, who might be next in the Xfinity series where names are made. And so uh, Chase Briscoe is certainly one of those drivers, and uh, fans will be able to read that article on fanforacing.com tomorrow. All right. Well, uh, I'm glad. I appreciate you getting that out. I know I got it in kind of late this afternoon. I didn't know if you'd be able to get it out yet today or not, but um, opted to hang out. I know I said I was working on it on Friday already with the Xfinity Series racing, their second race of the year there, decided to wait until following the Xfinity race, which ended up getting pushed to Sunday. But 
so that I could add in those stats and you kind of get a feel more of again after this first mile and a half track. So I wanted to make sure I included that as we get a little bit deeper into the season. Yes, indeed. And and it would be cool to do some updates on that throughout the season as well. Now, uh, again, going over the top five, it, it was Chase Briscoe, Austin Sendrick, Ryan Sieg, Noah Gregson in fourth place. And in fifth place, we mentioned Harrison Burton, the highest finishing rookie. The next five are Brandon Jones, Michael Annette, Justin Algauer, Riley Erbst, another rookie in the number 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing, and Ross Chastain rounds out the top 10 here in his number 10 college racing machine. Well, and just to kind of give you a preview, many of those are ones that are talked about in that article that will be coming out. Uh, Again, great runs. Brandon Jones, uh, the veteran of the JGR Brigade now. Michael Annette at Junior Motorsports, again, was one of the contenders last year. Justin Algar, an annual contender with the Junior Motorsports team. And then you mentioned Riley Herbst as a rookie. Again, I know he's made some starts in the Xfinity Series, has a strong connection with JGR. As the season grows, I think we're going to see some big things from him. And then you mentioned, I, I have the... A lot of people use the, the term Iron Man. To me, Ross Chastain is Iron Man, and he certainly was this past weekend at Las Vegas. With that Xfinity Series race being moved, run both the Cup and the Xfinity Series race, uh, I think with, what, half hour, 45 minutes in between the races. I know we've seen some drivers do it before, but I don't know anybody else that puts in more seat time in any uh, any of the top three series, you know, all tracks, all all classes, so... Uh, a great run there by Ross Chastain and that college racing team. Yes, indeed. Uh, now, going over the stage wins, it was uh, Chase Pisco winning stage one. Uh, Justin Algauer was the winner of stage two, but Chase Briscoe came back, of course, to win stage three. <clears throat> now, caution flags, there were five caution flags uh, for 28 laps of this race. 17 lead changes among seven drivers, including Myatt Snyder, Chase Briscoe, Justin Algauer, Austin Sendrick, Ryan Sieg, Joe Graff Jr. Uh, let's see if I missed anybody here. Ray Black, uh, the second, is also on that list. All drivers that led at some point throughout this event. Another event where we saw. A lot of mixing it up up front, some great runs. Uh, kind of skipped over, I guess, their rookie, Harrison Burton. Uh, two top five finishes already this year. So uh, look for that rookie of the year battle to be really great, as well as this battle for the championship. I skipped over Harrison? No, I, I did. I could, Just that he was one that I know you talked about the top five, um, one of the ones that is in the forthcoming <laughs> article. Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and go over the points here. All right, let me switch over to the Xfinity points now. This is the points for the 24th Annual Boyd Gaming 300. Give my internet one second here. All right, following again, this was the second race of the year, so... I know we talked about the points already, but, again, this is what establishes where, what we're looking at down the road. Now, Chase, at the top, at the top of the points, that's the race results again. Hold on one second. 
Sorry. But I, knew, I know Chase Briscoe, obviously, with the win, is one of the ones at the top of the points, as well as Noah Gregson having picked up the race win at uh, Daytona. Uh, and while that's loading real quick, I did like the fact that even though we were in a companion event, there were no regular cup points chasers or uh, <laughs> moonlighters, if you will, in this Vega re- Vegas race. So first two races of the year, we've seen two Xfinity Series regulars win. Again, that Chase Briscoe and Noah Gregson, which would put them at the top of the points. Third, mention him, Harrison Burton, two top fives already, is 12 points back. Then you have Michael Annette and Brandon Jones. Again, talk about that. They're going to be your regular weekly contenders as well as for the championship. Sliding down here in the Xfinity Series, there's 12 that will go for the championship. So I'll run through all 12 there. Is Austin Sindrick is 17 back. Ryan Seed, 19, tied with Justin Haley. Justin Algar, 22 back. Brandon Brown at 31 back. Ross Chastain at 32 back. A little bit of a gap at 43 back to Ray Black uh, Jr. And again, when we look at this, those their 12 are what go into uh, the championship. Some of these numbers are a little bit skewed. Daytona is Daytona. We saw the big one, had some uh, accidents, so... Again, there's some drivers down the list that we're going to see move up without a doubt. So we'll have to wait and see who gets shuffled out. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it is going to be interesting. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching the Xfinity Series race over the last uh, couple of years. And uh, I think that uh, this year is not going to disappoint as well uh, with all of these contenders in the action uh, for this series. Now, we do have some post-race audio from Chase Briscoe after winning that Boyd Gaming 300. And I'm going to pull that up right here. This was on Saturday. Hmm. Oh, here it is. Okay, uh, it's uh, race-winning driver Chase Briscoe of the number 98 for Stuart Haasport Racing Ford and the race-winning crew chief Richard Boswell. Uh, the whole segment is about six minutes, so I think we'll just play the whole segment and uh, hear what they have to say. Let's go. This weekend, we've now been joined by our race winner, driver of the number 98 Ford Performance Racing School Ford, Chase Briscoe, and his race-winning crew chief, Richard Boswell, in today's um, Boyd Gaming 300. So, congratulations, guys. Yeah, thank you. That was worth the rain delay, right? <laughs> yeah, it definitely makes it a lot better when you win, that's for sure. That's right. All right, we'll take questions. For Chase, if you have one, please raise your hand, state your name and affiliation, we'll start up front with Lee. Richard, what I think I, I find really impressive about this kid is that he's won on a road course, he's run at a short track, and now he's won on an intermediate track. Uh, the way he's gotten up to speed so quickly and, you know, just acclimated to the different styles, I think is what I've found most impressive. Would you agree? Yeah, from a on-track standpoint, absolutely. I think the, the one thing that, you know, a lot of people don't get to see is just the humbleness that comes with him and, uh, his positive attitude and his way to relate to all the guys and sponsors and just everybody. Um, so from an off-track standpoint, that, that's probably what impresses off-track and on-track. That's what I'm most impressed with is just his ability to relate with people. Um, and, but on-track, you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's, he's, he's good everywhere. 
Justin Schuler kicking the tires. Um, Chase, uh, first off, congratulations. And Thank second you. off, um, I know it's early in the season, but with this win, you take over the points lead. Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's so early, but definitely it's nice to, to get a win early. Um, you know, I think, obviously, we, we were hoping that we could get a win at some point through the year, and we expected to, but to get it before Phoenix definitely is nice just because we can go there and kind of try some stuff um, because I feel like I definitely that's one place I need to get way better at. So, uh, with that being said, yeah, it's nice to take the point lead. I mean, doesn't mean as much uh, this early in the season, like you said. But, yeah, it's good confidence booster for all the guys. And, you know, it goes a long way when you're that first garage stall with, with your guys and their work ethic and everything else. And, you know, we, we knew that we could go win races, but to, you know, get one this early in the year, it's, I think it will go a long way, especially on this West Coast swing. It's hard to stay motivated. And for us to, to win the first one, that definitely goes a long way, like I said. All right, go ahead. You know, you made a comment earlier just that you wanted to win eight or so races in order to feel like you would, you know, continue racing, that type of thing. What does this mean to win so early, you know, not only for the, your season but also for your career in general? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, that statement I was saying, I, it's not like it's a, a definite make-or-break thing if I win eight or so races. That's just personally what I feel like I need to do to prove that I'm ready for, for Sunday racing. and. You know, it's hard to win eight if you wait till halfway through the year, so it definitely makes it nice to kind of get one early. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's nice just to win in general whenever you do it. And I think, you know, just winning, like Lee was saying earlier, to be able to show that we've won on different types of racetracks I think goes a long way. So hopefully we can continue to do that and go next week and win on a two-mile track. All right, additional questions? I think we have one upstairs. Chris com. Uh, congratulations, Chase, on the victory. Is it too early for you guys to make a statement in the Xfinity Garage, or do you feel like that you just have to go out there and keep doing what you guys have been doing for the first couple of weeks? No, I mean, I think, uh, not that it's a definite statement, but I think it's always nice whenever you can win. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk, at least on the Xfinity side, of, of who's going to be those next guys, and, and hopefully us winning shows that we can be one of those guys. And, you know, if we if we do our job every week, I feel like we can contend any, any racetrack. So, yeah, I mean, I think it definitely, it's not a definite statement, but it shows that we're capable of winning, and, and that's something that internally I felt like we all knew, but um, you never know until you do it. So, um, yeah, I think it, it makes a little bit of a statement, but not, you know, a definite statement of this is who you got to go through to win the championship by any means. There's still a lot of guys that are going to be really good, and, and truthfully, we got to get a lot better, too, to, to be that definite guy. All right, Bob. I'm Bob Hawk, Chris Fox Sports. In that vein, like, what do you feel like you guys did right this week? have a good pit stop at the end, that's for sure. That was, you know, key. Um, you know, the race was really weird. I feel like every time I've came to Vegas, you can run up to the wall or, or even run the middle really well, and the bottom kind of goes away after seven or eight laps. And, you know, the beginning of the race, I felt like I was really, really good, and I had clean air, obviously, and we lost the lead, and my, my car completely changed, took a total 180. Um, and it was hard to tell if it was really just dirty air doing that or if it was the sun going down. And, you know, at the end there, Cindric obviously kind of ran away with it there for a while, and then when I was able to get to the lead, I kind of ran away with it, and, and it seemed like tonight was the fastest I've ever felt like I've gone around Vegas just because we had so much grip and so much speed around the bottom. It was almost like driving a truck, how hard you could drive the things. So clean air was crucial just because it was so hard to make a pass, and, you know, I probably gave up a ton of time trying to make the top work and even trying to make the middle work and, and pass guys, and I uh, just had to try to stay disciplined to, to run the bottom, and, and obviously it would prevail. All right, any questions? Okay, Lee. 
just curious, did your name come up in the mix at all when Newman was sidelined? Did you know? Was there any discussion that you might be that guy? Nah, I, nobody reached out to me. You know, I I told Ford that it, it was something for a couple of weeks. I'd be willing to do it, but um, yeah, I never heard anything from anybody, or never even knew if my name was in the mix. So yeah, I, I try to stay out of it. Truthfully, I. I'm focused on trying to win XFINITY Championship and, and trying to, to win as many races as I can. So I'll just let that try to do the talking. I haven't even been on my phone yet, so I'm sure he'll be pretty dis not disappointed. He's obviously going to be thrilled, but he's only missed two races my entire career on the NASCAR side, and, and this is the first one that obviously I won at. So I know he was sending me a text all day long and, and telling me to be disappointed on the bottom, I'm sure. If he would have came to victory lane tonight, he would have ripped me pretty good about how I was not being patient hitting the bottom. So he's uh, definitely my, my hardest critic, and I know he would have been pretty mad at me tonight by how I ran, that's for sure. All right. Any final questions? All right. They're going to go easy on you tonight. Congratulations, you guys. guys. Appreciate Safe travels home. All right. Uh, good interview with uh, Chase Briscoe there uh, in the uh, post-race media center interviews. Uh, your thoughts, Jay? Well, I'll tell you, this is why he's at the top of the Xfinity Series right now and going to be a contender, breaking down that race. I know they talked about it during the uh, television coverage of when he said he moved up to the middle and top lanes. He said he overdrove trying to find speed up there. I know he wasn't the only one. But being able to break it down and realize that uh, just shows the maturity already this year. And like you said, he's got a lot to learn yet, um, but he picks up on it so fast and is able to break it down like that. The input he's getting from outside sources uh, tells you that, you know, he's, he's focused on what he's doing week in and week out. Yes, indeed. And, and uh, you know, those of us that have known Chase Briscoe for a while here, watching him, when he won his Arkham Menard Series championship, and uh, he's coming over from the dirt background and some of that skill that he brings to the track with him every week. Um, uh, you just know that Chase Briscoe is going to be uh, a future star in NASCAR, and uh, he's certainly making a name for himself in the Arkham in the uh, Xfinity Series. I think this season uh, will be a breakthrough year. I think for Chase Briscoe, and I think we'll see a lot of him because you're right. He's such a quick learner. He's very articulate. Uh, he's analytical, and uh, all of those things are going to help him. Uh, in his communications with his crew chief and as he continues to contend for a championship, I believe, this season. Um, and, and I've always found when we talk to Chase Briscoe, uh, and it was illustrated here in his post-race interview, he always gives such great information uh, that you wouldn't necessarily think uh, about from drivers. Uh, and, and I really love it when a driver can give that kind of insight. And Chase Briscoe is, is particularly good at that. He does. And since you brought it up, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll follow up on it. The dirt racing background, that, that searching <laughs> for the right line, searching for that speed and knowing where you need to go and putting your car there. You know, even if it's, mm -hmm. and we've seen it from a couple others, Kyle Larson comes immediately to mind. Just because that's where you like to drive, if that's not where the speed is, then you need to adjust to that. And I think part of that does come from that dirt background um, or on the, on the other side of it, knowing where the line is. And we've seen Tyler Reddick, another one. If the speed is up at the top line and you're not 
the best driver up there, you need to get so because that is where the speed is. So, like you said, the, the knowledge and the analytical part of it um, really, really does come through. And truthfully, like you said, mentioned sharing that with with the the uh, the media or the fans when they ask about it. You're right; you don't always necessarily see that from a driver, but he certainly does provide that. Uh, indeed, he does. And uh, we've got a lot to look forward to in this Xfinity series uh, this season. Uh, So I hope fans will tune in. The next race for the Xfinity Series is Saturday, February the 29th, this weekend. Uh, It'll be on Fox Sports 1 at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, I definitely encourage fans to tune in for that uh, Xfinity Series event. Now, next up for (laughs) our Fan for Racing review here is the uh, NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, and uh, they were at Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, we had a double header on Sunday, uh, and before we watched the Xfinity Series race, fans watched the Cup Series race uh, for the 23rd annual Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube. Uh, race winner was a defending race winner, Joey Logano, making it back-to-back victories at the age of 29 in his number 22, Pennzoil Ford. His owner, of course, is Roger Penske, his crew chief. Uh, big crew chief swap this year coming over from Keselowski's team. Uh, Paul Wolf is his crew chief this season. Now, uh, Logano won the 23rd annual Pennzoil 400. Uh, it was his 24th victory in 401 Cup Series races, his first victory and first top 10 finish this year, and his second victory and 10th top 10 finish in 14 races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, Really excited to see this. Matt DiBenedetto coming home with a second-place finish, his first top 10 finish in seven races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and his first top 10 finish this year. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in third, posting his second top 10 finish in 10 races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Tyler Reddick was 18th, uh, was the highest finishing rookie. And Ryan Blaney now leads the series point standings by just three points over Joey Logano. So pretty tight there. We'll talk more about that in just a few. Uh, but I want to finish going over the rest of the top five here. Austin Dillon uh, came home in fourth place, followed by Jimmy Johnson, his first top five finish since Daytona uh, of 2019, the July race. So uh, pretty, pretty excited for Jimmy Johnson there. Rounding out the remainder of the top five here are Bubba Wallace in sixth, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson, and Ty Dillon, uh, both Dillons in the top five here, rounding out the top five. Your thoughts, Jay? Uh, Again, so, so many. Uh, Start with uh, Joey Logano. I think that's one of those things that you talk about a championship team. Uh, If you didn't watch the race uh, on Sunday, yesterday, a mistake was made. He was actually called to pit road, and he chose not to or didn't, I guess, didn't hear that call, ended up staying on the tracks. But being able to then still take that win uh, was big. 
And then you have Matt and Benedetto with the Wood Brothers. And we've all hoped for this, and we saw it, kind of saw it coming, <laughs> uh, hoped as it, we hoped it would. Uh, Second-place finish on a 1.5-mile track. Cheered for that team, that driver. Super excited about that. Ricky Stenhouse rebuilding, having switched over to JTG Daughtery. And then you got Austin Dillon. Again, one of those, we, we know what talent he has. It's being able to put it together week in and week out, see how that comes about. And then the return, if you will, of Jimmy Johnson, which uh, you mentioned the uh, first top five since the Daytona midway through last season. I didn't realize it stretched that long. I knew they were uh, far and few between, but I didn't realize it was that long. And we know the, the story there. His final year, they've gone through some changes there with that team, the Chevrolet, to see them back where they're at and running up front. I know we actually talked about that as him possibly being one of our picks. So to see him Mm -hmm. back in form, if you will, uh, great to see. And that's just the top five. The six through 10, Bubba Wallace, great top 10 finish. Always love to see that. And Ty Dillon, another one. You don't necessarily see in their week to week, but maybe this is the year where they've got everything they need where we do see that. And we'll take a look at it when we talk about the point standings already. Again, early, just through two races, Daytona being one of them. To see that shifting and who's in there, I believe you shared an article, and off the top of my head, I can't remember who it was shared from um, on Fan for Racing, though, of the new faces there at the top of the points. Yes. Holly Kane, yeah, from the NASCAR Wire. That was that was a great article, and uh, we are seeing new faces uh, in new places this year in this Cup Series. Uh, and again, that is posted at FanParacing.com if uh, folks want to take a look at it. Uh, now, Stage One was won by Chase Elliott, and he actually won Stage Two as well. Uh, but he did kind of run into a little bit of bad luck there uh, toward the end of the race uh, that left him with a position uh, that does not represent how well he ran. Uh, The fact that he won those first two stages give you a clearer indication of his race. Uh, There were nine caution flags for 37 laps, uh, 25 lead changes among just seven drivers, including Kyle Busch, uh, Kurt, I'm sorry, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, uh, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., uh, let's see here, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Austin Dillon, and Ryan Blaney, I believe, are the drivers that round out those seven drivers that led at some point throughout this event. So uh, pretty interesting to see some uh, different names in that list as well. It is, and it's one of those things, as fans, we love to see throughout the year, uh, even if it's one race. Okay, let's go ahead and cover the uh, point standings here in the Cup Series. All right, this one I got ready. As you mentioned, Ryan Blaney at the top of the list. Uh, I wouldn't say a complete surprise, but a little bit of an uptick. Following that, you got Joey Logano, who does now have a race win. Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson, and Ricky Stenhouse, Jr. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse, again, moving over. I know he made the playoffs the one year with Roush, but then didn't the following year. So, And for JTG Daughtery, that's just got to be a super, super pumped-up team right now. Uh, I know the finishes at Daytona weren't exactly what they wanted, and this week, too, Ryan Priest was right there with him, uh, had some mechanical problems, ended up in the garage. But that team has to be on a high right now. Six through tenth. 
You got Chase Elliott with the number nine Hendrick Motorsports. Again, kind of leading that Hendrick Motorsports brigade. Seventh goes to Austin Dillon. Eighth, Chris Busher. That's the swap with Ricky Stenhouse and with Roush Fenway Racing now in the number 17. Currently in eighth. Denny Hamlin, ninth. And Matt DiBenedetto in tenth. You got a great mixture of all three manufacturers. And I'm going to quick run down before I do the next six there. The Ryan Blaney, again, three points in the lead. The Joey Logano will elevate up with that win. Then you got Kevin Harvick, who's 14 back. Daytona kind of no, messed up. Kevin Harvick is four back. Kevin Harvick is four yes. points. Yep, four back from yeah. the uh, points leader. Then there's a little bit of a gap. It's Kyle Larson at 15 back, Stenhouse 19. Then it's 20, 22, 24, 25. And that 25 actually carries down all the way through 11th where Jimmy Johnson sits. Bubba Wallace at 26 back. Then you got Clint Boyer, Alex Bowman, Corey LaJoy, and Martin Truex as those final four in the top 16 as they sit now. There are only two races. I understand that. That points there, uh, 34, 35. Uh, Truex is also at 35, so there's a tie there. So far, the two winners are already in that top 16, so at this point, nobody will get pushed out based off of that. But again, you, you, you know with some big names, and I just quick glancing down the list, you're going to have Eric Almirola as a contender, Brad Keselowski, Eric Jones. We expect William Byron to maybe get his first win. And those are all ones on that outside looking in. Easily could move themselves in. Without a doubt. I love the fact that we're seeing, like we mentioned earlier, new faces and new places on this points uh, report because uh, we're seeing drivers that you don't typically see up in the top 16. When you think about drivers like uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, Chris Buescher, Austin Dillon, Matt DiBenedetto, Bubba Wallace, Corey LaJoy, um, Alex Bowman, these, these are all great names that we're seeing in this uh, top 16 after just two races in this series. So uh, I think that's fantastic, and and uh, I, I hope we see more of it as we continue throughout this season. Unfortunately, that would mean that there would be some other drivers that are pushed out, and you mentioned a few of those top names, uh, like Brad Keselowski, Eric Jones, William Byron, uh, you know, those are names that uh, we're used to kind of seeing up at the top that, that are not there right now. But uh, 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 it makes for some interesting racing, and I can't wait to see what happens for the rest of this season. Now, we do have some post-race audio here from the race winner, Joey Logano, uh, the, of the number 22 Team Penske Ford, and then the race-winning crew chief, uh, Paul Wolf. This is a much longer interview. Again, I'm only going to play about five minutes, and then we'll talk about our thoughts afterwards. Okay, Jay? All right. All right, we're going to go ahead and roll into our post-race um, for today's NASCAR Cup Series race, the Pennzoil 400, just as they take the green here in the NASCAR Infinity <laughs> Series race. Uh, we're joined now by our race winner, Joey Logano, driver of the number 22 Pennzoil Ford, and his race-winning crew chief, Paul Wolf. So we'll quickly get to questions. If you have one, please raise your hand, say your name and affiliation, and we'll start here in the back. Davey Siegel with Front Stretch. Congratulations, guys. This could go for either of you, but was it ultimately a miscommunication on the radio that may have uh, led to you winning this race? 
Uh, I don't think so. Um, you know, we were we talked about the scenario, um, whether it's at the end of a stage or end of the race, um, at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if it comes down to the can we get clean air, um, you know, and at what point are we comfortable staying out? Um, you know, so uh, Paul came over the radio and said, stick to the plan. I said, okay, stick to the plan. <laughs> That's a, that was it. So, um, you know, also it was a good it was a good call, obviously, and um, get, got us uh, in position to to uh, have a good restart. I had a good push with, with Ricky behind me and had a good block on the 24 once I got the push, um, you know, and, at that point, uh, once you get that clean air, you're in good shape. If I didn't have a good restart and got swallowed up by the field, I'd been, you know, had the backup lights on pretty quick. But um, you know, the the call and then the execution to go together is what we need to do. Right, Chase, go ahead. Chase Wall, NASCAR.com. This one's for Paul. Um, on on Friday, Joe is talking about how he's just letting you do your thing as as being the new crew chief for him. Um, so how much easier is, does that make your job knowing that he has the confidence to let you just do your thing right now? Um, I don't know if it makes it any easier. It's pretty hard at this level um, to win races. So um, put a lot of pressure on myself. Obviously, it's good to have um, the confidence in the driver. Um, he believes in his team and what we can do. Obviously, we've both been successful um, prior to this year. And um, we have certain things that's helped us get to where we're at, things that have worked for us in the past. So um, kind of like call it your comfort zone, if you will. Um, but what we've really tried to do in the off season is communicate a lot and try to understand, you know, kind of the strengths and weaknesses of, of each of our programs in the past maybe and just try to mesh it all together and just make, make ourselves stronger and uh, win more races than we have with our with our teams prior and um, obviously it's early um, this was kind of the first test I mean obviously speed weeks is kind of its own deal um, we had good cars and I thought it all went fairly smooth obviously we didn't get the results we were hoping for um, but I knew coming out on the west coast swing was really going to be where we're going to learn and try to understand what we need to do um, I thought practice went well on Friday um, wasn't quite as pleased obviously with how the car was in the race I thought we'd be a little stronger um, we we fought through it all day obviously Joey did a great job keeping keeping us up front keeping our track position and obviously in these races that's what it's come comes down to if you keep yourself in the top five you've put yourself in position uh, depending on what happens how it plays out you know I've, I've lost plenty of them being the best car and, um, so it just kind of all goes full circle and um, he, he drove a great race, and, you know, we kind of had a plan, like he said, um, coming into the race. Um, like him, I try to communicate with him thoughts and get his ideas and then um, kind of have a plan. Sometimes you got to change and adapt, um, but he stuck to what we had talked about, and uh, obviously it paid off. All right. Lee, up front. Thank you. Paul, what, what led to the decision to keep him on the racetrack? Because, you know, clearly Blaney's in the lead and you're either going to follow the leader or you're going to do your own thing and, and put yourself in position to win. It's really about the clean air. Um, if you can get clean air, it's worth so much. Um, the tires obviously were wearing some. Obviously, that's why we saw a lot of guys pit, obviously, from the lead. seemed like it was the left side wear was more accelerated than what we've seen in the past, and I think that was making guys 
favor wanting tires. But really still the fall off, if you look at the start of a run to the end, it, it wasn't extreme. Um, and we, in practice, we were out there on older tires. I want to have a chance to cool down and seem to refire and have decent speed. So it's kind of kind of what we had talked about. If, if you can get to the front row and get the clean air, then it's worth the gamble. Obviously, we had a lot of cars behind us. At that point, I felt pretty good as long as he executed the restart. The guys on tires weren't going to catch you in two laps. It's just not enough time. And, Joey, when did you realize the chaos was breaking out behind you? I mean, you know, at what point did you, you know, kind of know it was smooth? the last restart? Yeah. How did you, when did you know it was, like, smooth sailing for you to the finish? Um, I guess you never really know it's smooth sailing. But, um, you know, obviously as a, as a race car driver and you're in the lead, you, you're in the mirror more and you're looking forward. Um, you know, and, and obviously the most intense moments we're getting through the years and trying to clear uh, each lane, um, try to gain control of the race that way, uh, which we were able to do through turn one. Uh, I saw Matt uh, make a great move uh, to go three wide bottom, um, which got him to second, which was good, but it also, even better for me, because <laughs> it built some distance uh, between the, the, the second rows as there were three wide back there just dragging each other down. Um, I was able to set sail a little bit and get a little bit of distance. Um, you know, I'd say probably taking the white, because uh, that's, that's probably, you know, you know if they crash at that point, you know, as long as you take the white, you're, you're good. Um, and, you know, with the lead we had uh, taking the white, I felt like uh, no matter what run they can build through one and two, it's not going to be enough to make a move in three and four. Um, so I felt confident at that point that we were in good shape uh, to, to have a solid finish and, and win this thing, and then, and then the caution came out anyway. So um, I, I don't think it would have changed the outcome of, of at least winning, but obviously I don't know what – I haven't seen replays, but – you know, you look in the mirror and there looks like there's six wide back there, <laughs> especially coming through this front trial or dog leg, whatever you guys call it these days. Um, how wide it is, it just seems like there's cars everywhere back there. Nuts. Okay, Jay. Your thoughts about uh, post-race comments here. Well, one of the things I took from that was that being prepared, they talked about with the tire situation, when they were talking about the tires, and staying out there even on the older tires of what they learned from practice. So, again, uh, I know a lot of people talk about don't like to watch practice. I always do. But these teams aren't out there just logging laps or, you know, going through the motions. I mean, they're picking up so much. And, obviously, that came into play here. And, and again, Joey talked about that. Joey talked about that as far as uh, having a plan under both conditions and even with the, he said, you know, it not being a necessarily a miscommunication, but being prepared for it, knowing what he had to do, and then executing it. And, and that, again, why he has won a championship and is one of the annual top contenders. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that clean air, uh, we've heard that uh, several times tonight in some of the interviews that we've listened to here, how important the clean air is at Las Vegas and uh, the only way you can get that clean air is to be out front. Uh, so, uh, again, some insightful information here from Joey Logano and his crew chief, uh, Paul Wolt. And uh, I, th- I enjoyed the conversation as well about the uh, miscue uh, where Joey Logano didn't quite catch the, catch the uh, directive to come down pit road, and he ended up missing that pit 
and uh, whether or not that led to his victory. And uh, I guess I guess from his perspective, it didn't. And that's where, that's where that confidence uh, comes into play. Like I said, even if he realized it in his head, he said, okay, we're going to win this anyway with what they learned from practice, knowing he had to execute mm-hmm. and performing. You know, And I know several of the drivers, and I, I want to say Kevin Harvick was one of them, they talked about having that short run speed. Maybe his he was on the on the wrong page a little bit on that. Of and I, I listened to some of uh, Sirius XM throughout the day today. You can see some of the guys that were burning those tires up early, and they were the ones that were having to be Larry of the courting. I know a couple of them they showed actually did come down. I know we had a couple of uh, tire blowouts. Um, some of it caused due to that of. They were used to being able to push hard from the get-go, whereas you see some other methodical drivers. And normally we see that from Kevin mm-hmm. Harvick, but it really looked on Sunday like maybe he he was on the wrong end of that. He was going too hard early and would fade a little bit each run. you know. So to see drivers be aware of that, know that's what they got to do, and control their urge and emotion to do so. But they know that that's what they got to do to execute and come out with that race win. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, a lot of fun racing this week at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, Auto Club Speedway is up next, and the uh, uh, Cup Series will be there and in action this Sunday, and that is uh, March the 1st. We get into March here, and they should be racing sometime around 3.30 p.m. Uh, March 1st this Sunday. So uh, looking forward to that racing action, and Jay and I will be here on Thursday to do the preview of racing at Auto Club Speedway, and uh, we'll look forward to that as well. So with that, Jay, we are now at the top of the hour, and you know what that means. It is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. That, mean, that means i got to take a minute here and get my tongue under control before we jump in. I know Andy uh, messaged us, said he wasn't going to be here. I was really hoping he would be for this one tonight because i got a couple that are burning me up. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, before you get on your soapbox, I was hoping maybe you could give us an update on the Fan for Racing fantasy game. I most certainly can. Um, Owen joined us now. we got six players uh, picking drivers this week. Let's start with the truck series. Uh, we gave Owen a break. Again, he missed uh, the first race in the trucks and the Xfinity, so let him pick any driver he wanted, even if it matched up with us. Me and him come out on top of that, having Kyle Busch as that first available pick wisely. So we got the five points this week. Next week, race win will go to six points. So going to see some shifting of our own in the points. Um, quick tally there in the trucks. Again, only one race in. Let's see, Sam leads it. Nope, Sharon, I'm sorry. Sharon, you have seven points. Sam has six. Owen and myself have five. Andy at two. And James at two as well. That's On the two Xfinity, races, isn't it, Jay? Yep, that's two, two, two races, races in for the truck. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Owen missed one. That's what uh, um, we, the rest of us have two. So uh, he that's jumps right exactly. up in there into the mix. So <laughs> He did. The, Xfinity Series, that one hurt a little bit more, unfortunately, for Owen. He had Justin Allgaier uh, along with James. Uh, Andy got the five here for Chase Briscoe. Sharon uh, second with uh, Noah Gregston. 
And then Sam, Harrison Burt, myself, Brandon Jones, and James and Owen had Justin Algar. This one's a little bit more gapped early. Andy's sitting at seven points. I'm at five. James and Sharon and Sam all at three. And even with that first top pick, Owen's going to get to go next first next week uh, for Auto Club as he is at zero there. On the cup side, this one's a little bit deeper as we got multiple races in. So let me take a quick peek. Uh, none of us had the race winner with Joey Logano. I know you were talking about possibly doing a, uh, a pick change there. I got busy I was and as, didn't get to you. I was as well, and he ran good, but it wouldn't have come out any better. I really was looking at Ryan Blaney. Uh, that's one of those of, I think, like I said, we're starting to see the emergence of Ryan Blaney. That crew chief pairing there has really helped him as he's sitting atop the point. So uh, I'm actually fortunate I didn't make my pick or change as Kevin Harvick <laughs> did get me four points as the top finishing of our picks, as well as Owen, who uh, also took Harvick. There, Kyle Busch got Andy three, Cole Custer two for Sharon. Sam had one with Martin Truex and Ross Chastain uh, zero for James. And let me see what we got here. I don't have the trucks totals uh, total there. So I'm going to go to the overall. Uh, once we get, I think, through the West Coast swing, maybe I'll start put, putting up the full points for each series as we get more races under under each series. But I do have the overall total so far now, and that is Andy at 20. I'm sorry, myself at 24, Andy at 23, Sharon at 20, Sam at 16, James at 12, and joining in late there, Owen at nine. Um, and, again, six points going out next week, starting next week. So we're going to see, our, like I said, our own shakeup in our point system here for the fantasy picks, which, again, I'm so glad Owen came on board, not only as a writer here uh, for Fan for Racing, doing some great things with the who's hot and who's not and the winners and losers and the power rankings, uh, but also having mm-hmm. that another pick with us in the fantasy group just makes it that much more fun. Yes, yes, it really does. And I think his goal is to try to get that to me by uh, sometime on Tuesday so that we can get it posted either on Tuesday or early on Wednesday uh, for fans to be able to review it as they think about their picks for the upcoming weekend of racing. Okay, uh, with that, uh, thank you to Jay for uh, once again uh, taking the time to uh, manage the Fan for Racing fantasy game for us this season. Uh, we all have a, a really good time with it, and we appreciate the fact that you're willing to kind of keep keep track of everything throughout the season. My pleasure, my pleasure. <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> excuse me. It is time for us to get into hot topics. Uh, so I, I think I know what your first hot topic is going to be, uh, so let's go ahead and get to it. All right. Well, we saw penalties in both the truck series as well as the cup series. Uh, And both of them, as more information came out on the uh, cup series side, uh, it actually increased my level of intensity on it. But the pre-race inspections found on uh, for the truck series, pre-race inspection found the problems with three of the four sport racing um, and they were docked 10 points, driver and owner points, immediately. Now I'll come back to that part of it in a minute. The Cup Series, 
pre-race, they found some stuff with the JGR teams, which I believe was Eric Jones, Kyle Busch, and Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex. Uh, actually, Christopher Bell was also one of them, yep, with the Line right. Family Racing. Um, Joe Gibbs affiliate team, another Toyota. There they were taking 15 minutes of practice time away from them, but they found the same thing prior to race day inspection and then penalized them the 10 points each, which I think the 10, I don't remember, did all four of them get the 10-point deduction or was it only the three main Joe Gibbs teams that got the points deduction? Yeah, all three of them got the 10 points uh, driver deduction for driver and owner points. They all okay. got level one penalties. That's so Kyle that, Busch, my, my Bell, is, and Denny Hamlin. Okay, so Eric Jones didn't get the second one, so he just lost the practice time. Okay. Well, and I don't see Eric Jones on this list. I know Chase Elliott uh, didn't. Uh, he made it. To, he lost his car chief, Matt Barnt, for failing twice, but he did pass on the third inspection. Uh, therefore, he avoided having to start at the end of the line. So if Eric Jones had a, had a uh, did not pass inspection, it probably was just one time. Okay. Because he's with, not with on this, this list. With this of issues like that pre-race where it's a level one penalty and they're willing to take points, I don't even know where to start here. Let's go to the truck series. Three teams, and I love what Thor Sport has done for this sport. We talked about that last week with Grant Ensinger. But to me, you have three teams that, as I see it, NASCAR is not penalizing enough. They're, and they're top teams, so that I don't want to say they're getting away with it, but for the truck series, there were three trucks, I believe, that went home and did not qualify. Legal trucks that went home versus these top teams were allowed to fix it and take a 10-point penalty, which in the long run of doesn't hurt them enough, in my opinion, especially. And I'm not – I don't want to say I'm trying to take anything away from Grant Infinger. He deserved that win. But having that win in the bank, it really doesn't hurt him because he is still locked into the playoffs. So that 10-point penalty really doesn't hurt them. To me, under mm-hmm. races I've been to, dirt track racing or asphalt, if you're not legal, you don't run. You get credit for showing up, so you're still eligible for the championship. Grant would get to keep his win. I'm not saying take away the win where he was legal at Daytona. But if he is short a race, that's stage points he doesn't have the opportunity to get. That is serious track time, race time he doesn't get to experience. So to me, you've got to make the penalty where the teams are like, hey, we can't afford this. And that's why the three trucks, and I'm focusing on the trucks because in this case it did cost other teams because Mm -hmm. they got sent home having legal trucks. That's where my real issue comes in. And the cup side, I'd still like to see it. I'd like to see it consistent across the board. But nobody else had to go home when somebody else was sneaking through getting to adjust their car, even though it wasn't legal to begin with. So that's where my problem comes in. We, we've seen this in the, in the past two years. NASCAR has stepped in and said, hey, if you're not legal post-race, we're going to take the win away from you. I think all of us here at Fan for Racing were in great favor of that because it's costing the team huge. And I think they need to do that with this pre-race inspection as well. Okay, I'll take a breath here. <laughs> okay. I was just looking for this because I happened to catch an article earlier today, and I'm trying to get it uh, up here. 
where they're talking about the idea, and I'm trying to remember where I saw it. The and it might I know where it is. Um, <clears throat> they're talking. What the crux of the article is is that cheating has become such so ingrained in sports in general that you know people aren't seeing it as cheating anymore. And we've talked about this before that <clears throat> it's so ingrained. We've heard how many years we've heard if you're not. Uh, cheating you're not trying um, and it just it just uh, upsets me a little bit because uh, I'm trying to find this article where did I see this um, I'm going to have to look for that I guess later but it, it really talked about how it's so ingrained in sports today not just NASCAR but in sports in general that People aren't seeing it as cheating. Uh, it's become a way of life, and uh, it, it, and it's not just in sports. It's it's it speaks also to our culture, unfortunately, uh, that people think that they're exempt from the rules, uh, that they're entitled uh, in some way or another. We see it all the time with people. Uh, I see people parking. Uh, in places that they shouldn't be parking in <laughs> because they, they don't want to take the time to park where they're supposed to park for whatever reason. And it, it is frustrating because it's not the way I think we were brought up, uh, and maybe that's a generational thing, but I would hate to think that this country is moving in that direction, that cheating and lying is, is seems to be okay anymore. Um but getting back to the the NASCAR part of this, um, it, it really is frustrating because of exactly what you said. Here in the truck series, we've got three trucks that ended up going home. And as far as we can tell, those trucks were legal. And they were able, they had to go home while these other three trucks still were able to enter the race and race. Uh, and part of that is them learning things in order to help them for the remainder of the season or to help them down the road when it comes to the playoffs. And and that's frustrating. It's very frustrating for us as fans because, and, and I go back to what I've said before, the last thing I want to see is someone on that hoisting a championship trophy, and we know that they were caught with penalties throughout the season repeatedly. I don't want that to be our NASCAR champion. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Grant and Finger. Uh, as far as we know, he had a completely legal truck at Daytona, and I, I give him that win. He deserved that win. So there's no taking that away. But as an organization, Thorsport Racing bringing three illegal trucks to that track, that's inexcusable. And there should be harsher penalties. I definitely agree with that. And and I know uh, uh, Andy's not here to voice his opinion, uh, but he will be voicing his opinion in an article this week uh, at Bamber Racing and his weekly feature of NASCAR Hot Topics. Uh, and he'll will be able to hear his view uh, in the, that article. But. You know, I think sitting them out is the only thing that's really going to make the message. And you're right. Uh, if you look at the other leagues that run around this country, 
uh, if you bring an illegal car to the track, and the Snowball Derby is one of those, if you bring an illegal car to the track, you're not going to race. And that's just the way it is. And people have to deal with it. Just because you're in a premier series and you're in NASCAR's top three does not excuse uh, that organization from bringing uh, three trucks that are illegal to the track. Did you happen to hear what the infractions were, Jay? Um, I can see if I can pull it up real quick. Uh, I'm happy to share that soapbox. Uh, I know we talked about this some uh, and, and you guys already kind of had my viewpoint on it coming into it, but I'm more than happy to share the uh, soapbox there because you're right. It, it is just absolutely unacceptable, especially for a top team. And one of the things I look at, these teams that didn't make it didn't quite have enough speed, and I get that. And I've always been in favor of the fastest cars running, but that mm-hmm. is one of those of they don't have that speed because they can't afford to push that envelope because if they get caught and take that kind of hit – it's going to cost them their team. It's not going to cost them 10 points. It is essentially going to cost them their team. And that's where I have the real problem, like you said, of just because you're at the top level or one of the top teams in a series, you shouldn't be exempt from the rules because, it, again, even if you fine them, and that's why NASCAR went away from the fining them because some of these teams, mm-hmm. I don't want to say they had money set aside, but if they got fined, they had the money to cover it, whereas certain teams – they would have to sell their team in order to just pay the fine. Mm-hmm. And I go back to Carl Long when, uh, with his motor issue. I mean, it took him, mm-hmm. I believe, seven or eight years to get back where he could get back in the garage at all because he had to pay off that fine, even to be in as a spotter, a team owner, or anything. You know, it took him years right. to recover from that. Okay, I've got the penalty report here, so let me okay. kind of go right. over that. Uh, the the cars involved were the number 13, the number 88, and the number 98, all from Thor Sport Racing, and then the number 26 from GMS Racing. Uh, and all three had exactly the same uh, issue. It was the uh, sections 20.9.3.2, engine oil reservoir t- tank, 20. Point, uh, 20 colon 20 assembled vehicles overhaul rules note aerodynamic panels not permitted oil engine oil reservoir tank mounting brackets and supports so it, it that's what it involved so it had to do with aerodynamic panels not being permitted so they did i if i recall there was some bonding uh, that took place to make those panels more aerodynamic uh, for the racetrack, and that's what NASCAR took an exception to. And I really think the fact that they they tampered with the aerodynamics of that truck, uh, that makes it a really uh, big penalty in my mind. Exactly, and I, th- I think, though, you're combining the two with the uh, truck series, those panels. The bonding is what Toyota was doing on the cup side. And the fact that they okay. got warned about it pre-race and were originally only penalized practice time, but then still continued to do it and tried to get into race conditions with the same thing. And then they said, okay, we're going to take the 10 points. That's what bothers me is they were already warned that weekend during practice. Again, to me, yes, practice time, as we've talked about with Joey Logano and others, is important, but 
you can recover from that. You sit them out a race, that takes a lot more to recover from. You have to answer to sponsors for that, which is what drives your team. That's where I think you really got to hit them. Okay, well, here's the thing with the, these guys. You're right. I, I, it, it is part of it, but it is not all of it. This aerodynamic panels not permitted. Their penalties actually related to the engine oil reservoir tank and the mounting brackets and supports. And that is important, though, as well, because if that bracket is not doing its job, uh, it could cause a fire in those trucks and the safety of those drivers, not to mention the other drivers on the track. And that and that's a very good point, especially in the wake of Daytona with what happened with uh, Ryan Newman. Anytime you are altering anything um, like that, it could become a safety issue. And it doesn't matter where it is on the car. As we saw, that the way Corey LaJoy's car hit Ryan Newman, you wouldn't expect that in any way, shape, or form, but it can happen. So, like you said, depending on how they back into the wall, if that bracket breaks, that's going to cause a safety issue. So, I mean, drivers need to look at it from that, and teams need to look at it from that, that aspect as well, not just to gain an advantage of speed on the track, but are you compromising safety? You know, we went through this with the lug nut issues a few years back. Tony Stewart said it. You've got to save these drivers and teams from themselves. Absolutely, and they all admit they're going to try to push it as far as they can push it or as far as NASCAR gives them an opportunity to push it. And I think NASCAR, is, they really need to be pushing back on some of these. Uh, in the Cup Series, uh, the 20 is sections 20.20, assembled vehicle overall rules, 20.4 body and 20.4.2 surface conformance. So, again, they were using uh, – the bonding material to reshape the body of that car and surface, and that's where they were out of conformance, and that's why they were assessed the 10 driver's points and owner points. That was the number 11, the number 18, and the number 95 car, all uh, Joe Gibbs uh, racing teams or affiliates. So... Uh, that's an even bigger one, I think, because of the fact that they're looking for an aerodynamic advantage. Well, real quick here before, and I know this one I could go on for a, for a long time about, but even with that, obviously that immediately you're thinking aerodynamics and the speed of the car, which is what all teams are looking for. However, when you're talking about aerodynamics, that is the wind going around the car. If that car gets turned right. a little bit sideways, how does that wind now affect the car as far as possibly flipping? You don't know. And that's where it becomes a safety issue as well, as you brought up, Sharon, which I think is a very big thing that maybe teams aren't – they're just thinking, oh, it's just going to give us a little more speed. You're going to split the air a little bit more. So, mm -hmm. But you've got to look at that. Of what happens when that car gets a little bit more sideways? Does it, is it only about speed at that point, or does it become a factor? Or what does it do to the other cars around them, that wind coming from their car? How is it going to impact those cars that are around them? Because we know there is a side force uh, that definitely has an impact uh, on the cars around them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just think that they're going too far with looking for ways to cheat the system. And uh, uh, I think we've made it clear what we think needs to be done. 
but I'd be curious to know what other fans are thinking about this. Uh, if they're tuned in, and if they want to put their thoughts down on our uh, fan for racing chat room, we'd love to hear from you. Or if you're listening to the podcast and want to comment later, uh, you know, post some thoughts here on our fan for racing chat room at fanforacing.com. Okay, Jay. I hope so because uh, this is one that I think, as the fans bring more up uh, uproar about it. Normally, I'm not a fan of favorite. Uh, normally, I am not a fan of fans driving the sport. But in in this particular topic, I think maybe that is what needs to happen. You know, so we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully, NASCAR does take a hard look at it because, like you said, you don't want your champion to be somebody you're questioning of whether or not they really deserve it. Yeah, I, I would really hate to see that happen in the sport. Uh, I, I want to have a champion that we feel good about and uh, see them doing the right things on the track to get their victories. So uh, we'll see what NASCAR does uh, and how long it takes them to get to that point. But uh, we know that that's not a precedent for other tracks, and uh, it is a precedent with NASCAR uh, not doing it, but uh, I don't think there should be exceptions just because you're in the top three. Uh, let's go ahead and move on here, Jay. Uh, something interesting I saw happening on social media uh, this week. Harvick came out and put a bounty out, $50,000 for anybody who can beat Kyle Busch in the next four races in the Gander Outdoor RV and Outdoor Truck Series. Um uh, Lamonis, uh, the guy who is the CEO for the title sponsor in the truck series, came out and said, I'll match your $50,000 for anybody who can do that because I have confidence that nobody is going to be able to beat Kyle Busch in these next four races. And and subsequently we saw drivers coming in and saying, I bet I could do it. <laughs> And and uh, the interest in this is really escalating uh, with this Harvick bounty on anybody who can beat Kyle Busch in the next four races in this truck series. So I want to get your thoughts about that moving forward. Uh, my, my first thought is I'm kind of scared. We've had this happen before because this isn't one we talked about prior to tonight, but was next on my list. So uh, that's, a, that's a little bit eerie. You know, I mean, a lot of times we all have exactly the same thoughts. So yep, um, yep. I'm kind of kind of torn on this. I, I like the idea. The thing that scares me is when, and I, I've seen this at, at, in different sports as well as at the dirt track, when you start talking about putting a bounty out, the drive to get that pushes that line of envelope of fair competition and outright beating them, okay? And I'm not saying anybody would go out there and intentionally wreck them, but you also got if, and I'm trying to think of any of the names that possibly got thrown out there, but if a driver works, okay, we'll we'll take him. Denny Hamlin uh, goes down to uh, do this in the truck series. If it's his own team, or if he's with a particular team, that possibility of a teammate then affecting Kyle Busch or interfering with the race Mm -hmm. itself in blocking or bumping or anything versus straight up racing against him and beating him. And I'm not saying any driver would do that, but 
especially as you're talking about putting money. We've seen it, the, the all-star race. It's all about the win and that money. Yo, that's all that matters. If a driver like that is coming in and that is their goal, where's that line drawn of being, you know, and I say fair and competitive, not racing dirty or having other teams involved. Uh, we've unfortunately seen that, a teammate, for, you know, trying to help his teammate. So it's it's a slippery slope. I like the, the I like the promotion. I like that Kevin Harvick is obviously involved in throwing that challenge out there. You know, we talked about having that carrot out there, something to challenge drivers to that effect. But in a case like that of putting a bounty and money on the line, can be a slippery slope. Uh, that's my only concern with it. But I do love the attention that it's getting. You know, Kyle stepped up to it, said, "Hey, bring it on." So. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't become a, si- a bigger side story other than somebody did beat him on the track out racing him. Right, uh, and and legally, yes, I I agree with you in a lot of respects there. Uh, I will just also mention that uh, Kyle Busch came back on social media and said, "Well, what happens if nobody does beat me, and I win all four of these next four races?" Uh, I think the resolution to that, because Samantha Bush put this out there, and I guess everybody's agreed to it now, is that that $100,000 be donated to their Bundle of Joy Fund. Uh, And uh, I think that would be a very worthwhile cause uh, for that money. And I think everybody's agreed to make that happen if Kyle Bush does win the next four races. Here's the thing. Um, When you put that kind of money on the line, I think it interferes with, uh, and especially if outside drivers now come into the race to go after that $100,000. Here's what I think could happen. Oops, we're getting to that point where I've got to tell uh, everybody. I was trying to debate how to let you know that without outright interrupting you, but yeah. I got I to gotta go. I got to go. Uh, we are coming down to the 1030 mark here, and that means that we are going to go off the air right at 1030, but we do continue recording the rest of the conversation, and fans can hear the rest of that conversation on our podcast. If you've listened up to this point, you're just going to fast forward uh, to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. If you're listening on the podcast, you'll be able to listen straight through to hear all of the conversation uh, throughout our Hot Topic uh, Overtime segment. Uh, And uh, uh, we'd just like to alert fans, especially if you're new, uh, that that is going to happen so that it doesn't come as a surprise at the end, uh, at that 1030 mark. Okay, here's where I think there could be a problem, is you've got drivers in this series that are racing for points that are racing for a championship now you bring in these outside drivers who are racing for that hundred thousand dollars how is that going to impact these drivers that are racing for the championship and trying to earn points because now those stage points are maybe going to go to other drivers or they're not even going to get those points is what I'm saying because the other drivers are going to take those spots so I I think that there's a problem with it from that perspective as well, uh, to, as the points that you brought up. These drivers are going to get much more intense in the driving, which it's already intense in the in the truck series as far as I'm concerned, uh, and it has created great racing. But there comes a point 
where that intensity is going to be counterproductive to the great racing that we're seeing in the truck series as it stands right now. So, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I would like to see them keep it just to the current truck series drivers that are racing for points and not bring in any outside drivers uh, to try to uh, interfere with their points battle, if you will. Um, but whether or not that's going to happen, I don't know, Jay. Any follow-ups there? You know, and I, and I take that back. I think it was discussed a little bit because I think that was kind of Andy's perspective was um, that he would rather see it be one of the cup or truck series regulars to be able to earn that if they're able to beat Kyle Busch in one of the four events yeah. remaining that he is going to be in. So I, I do like that idea. Um, I really like the idea of – Obviously, this is a high possibility. Um, Samantha Bush coming in after Kyle made the comment of if he got the money. Samantha Bush coming in with the Bundle for Joy uh, program that they're a part of, that if Kyle were able to do it and that money go to the chair, that foundation, I do really like that. Um, you know, and that might be one where I might even root for Kyle Bush so that money does go to the, that program. Um, so mm-hmm. I, there are aspects of the idea that I do like. But like you mentioned, too, um, and I think maybe that would be the thing is keeping it within the truck series alone. Fans would be kind of torn, I think, because, again, they're upset that a cup regular is in the series. Bringing another cup driver in to beat him, you're basically (laughs) doubling what they didn't like. However, they might be in favor of that because they want to see Kyle get beat. So um, kind of 50-50 on the overall fan reaction to it. Right. Right. but I do like the idea of it going to a truck series driver that is able to, a regular uh, championship contending, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. truck series driver being the one to be able to knock him off. Um, but it, like I said, there, there's, there's some other positives. And, yeah, it was made in fun and just kind of a spirit of a competition thing. Like I said, Samantha taking the opportunity to try and make a positive out of even that if they don't get that, that the foundation gets the money. So, there are some good things that come of it. And it's one of those we're talking about, you know, what if this happens or well, who if, what if so-and-so interferes? That's not to say it would happen. It's just there is a concern mm-hmm. there. And it, like you said, it kind of maybe affects that championship. So if it does happen, hopefully it all happens in the right way. Um, and, again, if, if another driver does get that money, that's good for them. If Kyle goes five for five again and, and wins the next four, the foundation gets the money. So that aspect of it, it's a win-win. Yeah, and I think when you think about the truck series, uh, Denny Hamlin doesn't need an extra $100,000. Uh, but somebody in the truck series maybe could use that extra $100,000, and it, it really helped help them in their career. So that's the other reason why I think it really needs to stay uh, with the truck series regulars uh, and not uh, somebody coming in from the outside. Okay, and I agree with you. I think the bundle of joy uh, uh, factor of this is is a really good thing, Uh, and and it does cause you to want to maybe cheer for Kyle Busch to make those four victories in order for that money to go toward that very worthwhile cause. It does. Um, If we're done with that, I didn't necessarily have another hot topic. However, with the uh, article that got posted today. Uh, there is something else we could talk about. I know uh, without Andy here, um, 
Unless you had another specific hot topic one, Sharon. Sorry. Well, I, I kind of, I, I've got a whole list of them here. Uh, one of them kind of tied into the penalty thing, so I'm not even going to bring that up. But um, I wanted to talk about the the crew chief swaps that took place in the off season and how you felt that that was kind of working out uh, after two races in the books, uh, because it seems like uh, you know the the cream of the crop with the crew chiefs. Uh, seems to be making the difference in this case. And I know we talked opposite of that earlier. But Paul Wolf coming over from Keselowski's team to work with Joey Logano, uh, seems to be working out pretty well with his victory this past weekend. Uh, not so well for Brad Keselowski. Okay. I said I was a little scared earlier. Now I'm a lot scared. Uh, I hadn't even mentioned this to you yet. I was going to give it another couple of weeks, and that was going to be an article I was going to work on. So we'll go ahead and oh touch on it now. <laughs> that's that's weird. I, I, you can ask my mom. Uh, I sent her a message because I, I thought of it throughout the night, and I didn't write it down this morning. I was trying to remember what it was. <laughs> and when I finally did, I just sent her a message, and then she's like, why are you sending me that? And I'm like, it's just a note that will remind me later. Um, that is right. so weird. Uh I don't know why we call and message each other. Uh, apparently, we can just read each other's minds. Um, or we're but to, great to give you kind of a alike. preview, and I think it, it what's that? I said great minds think alike. <laughs> I, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> I, like I said, I was going to give it a couple more weeks. It's only been two races. Uh, you know, it does take time to settle things in, like we talked. If you're switching manufacturer or, or anything like that, a new crew chief, obviously a combination. Um, so I think another couple of weeks will really tell the tale. But at this point, and you mentioned Joey Logano and Paul Wolf, I think Todd Gordon and Ryan Blaney is the true benefactor of it. And not <laughs> oh, to say Ryan go. Blaney hadn't been doing good. And, again, that's kind of what I wanted to see prior to, to doing said article. Um, not that we haven't seen Blaney. And, again, this is, his, I believe, his third or fourth. I think this is his third year. Am I right? He did one year with the Wood Brothers, one year yeah, already with Team Penske, his second year with Team Penske. So he's in that adjustment period anyway, so we're going to see him come to the top because we know he's got the talent. But it just seemed like maybe when the, the shuffle was done that it was used to elevate him as the one that wasn't quite on par with the other two um, as far as victories and top finishes. So that seems to be working. As you mentioned, maybe Brad Keselowski kind of got left out Again, we talked about this as far as a hot topic and what happened in the clash with some of Brad's comments of mm-hmm. he's in a contract year. So there's a lot of things in play there, and a lot of, some of it we don't even know the full story because we're not a part of Team Yeah, reading between the lines. But <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, we do see some of the things, and, you know, uh, generally where there's smoke, there's fire. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But it will be interesting to watch that. And like I said, maybe after the West Coast swing uh, into Atlanta when they come back this direction, I am looking at doing an article on that after, again, anything like that. You need to give it about six to seven races, several different types of tracks. We're going to really see how it's playing out on all. But right now, I think you're right on it. Uh, Kozlowski kind of seems to be the lacking one in. I know you mentioned uh, Paul Wolf and Joey Gore. uh, Combine the two Logano. there. Logano. Paul Wolf, Joey Logano. Okay. Take a <laughs> breath and get that out. Um, getting that win 
Obviously, you got two that are meshing pretty good right now. Like I said, I really think, as I see it right now, that Ryan Blaney is the huge benefactor out of it with Todd Gordon. Yeah, I think you're right there as well. Um, and and you know, again, I'm, uh, since you're going to do the article, we won't go too in depth on that. But uh, I think it'll be a great article for fans to uh, watch for here in another six or seven weeks uh, to see. Uh, what our thoughts are, and how they might vary from what we're saying tonight. Maybe it'll change in six or seven weeks and and vary uh, from what we're saying here tonight. So uh, it'll be fun to see what happens there. Uh, In the same order, though, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts about the rookies and where we are with the rookies at this stage of the game. There, again, two races, one of them being Daytona. I think it's a little tough to tell. Uh, any specific series you want me to hit on here or just uh, in general? Well, let's three. start with the cup. cup. All right. Um, again, Daytona, and, and I hate to say that, but it really is a thing of its own, a beast of its own. Uh, so easy to get caught up in something that isn't your fault. But I think that Christopher Bell maybe hasn't quite – lived up to the hype, and I'm not saying he isn't or done well uh, by no means, but I think we have seen a couple of the others that maybe weren't expected to even be one of the big three. You know, um, It's going to be interesting because, again, after you get through every type of racetrack, multiple races working with the crew chief, and, and I know Christopher Bell um, talked about it, of the difference from the Xfinity side up to the cup. Um, that maybe some of those that have. Tyler Reddick has made some other starts. And he slipped in my mind. Uh, John, John Hunter Nemechek, which we saw, some of it was pit strategy, but he was the top running one for a good part of the cup race uh, during a stretch. So uh, I think it's going to be quite interesting, and I don't think we can quite – I know we all kind of put our uh, chips on Christopher Bell, but I think that might play out a little bit differently. Yeah, I'm getting that feeling, too, that I think that's going to play out a little bit differently. Uh, and and I've had my doubts about it all along, and I think I've expressed that along the way here, uh, that being with Levine Family Racing is not going to be the same as being with Joe Gibbs Racing. So yeah, I know this is a huge, huge step uh, and a big uh, learning curve for all of these drivers that are contending for the rookie of the year status here. So we do want to give them time to make that adjustment. Uh, But just kind of comparing rookie to rookie and how they're doing, uh, I think is worthy of taking note at at this stage of the game. And uh, uh, that's all I was looking at kind of is, is to see, because I don't think Christopher Bell is performing quite to the level that a lot of people thought he would perform. Uh, We've seen uh, some of the other drivers uh, have some pretty good finishes, uh, if we look at just Las Vegas here, uh, John Hunter Nemechek uh, was the highest finishing rookie at 18th place, followed by Brennan Poole, uh, and I don't think anybody would have expected that. Uh, Tyler Reddick uh, is third in line there, followed by Christopher Bell, uh, followed by Quinn Huff, and where did uh, Cole Custer go? He's in between Reddick and oh, Bell. Oh, there he is. Yeah, he's in between Reddick and Bell. So really, Bell, of uh, those uh, the top three, 
that we think of going into this with Reddick, Custer, and Bell. And I think a lot of people thought this would be the other way around. Well, and I, and I see a couple of different things there. And of the big three, if we're going to talk specifically about them, uh, we mentioned Tyler Reddick running with Richard Childress, who hasn't exactly been at the top of their game as part of the Chevy Brigade or the standard that Richard Childress Racing has set in the past. And we've seen other teams go through that. They will come back. I have no doubt about that. But with Reddick and Christopher Bell, they have come through in top-notch equipment. What I see is right now John Hunter Nemechek and Brennan Poole in the two races to include Daytona, they run for teams where that can't afford to wreck cars. So they are used to making sure their equipment is in one piece following the race. And not to say that the other three, Christopher Bell, Pilot Raddick, or Cole Custer, don't care if they wreck a race car, but they have the team support that if they do, there is a backup waiting. I think that's coming into play, especially when it comes to John Hunter Nemechek having come from his family-owned team in the truck series where he did quite well and battled for a championship, knowing that that is one of a limited number of vehicles they have protecting it at all costs, even if it means finishing a couple positions back. So I think that's right now kind of what you're seeing with John Hunter Nemechek and Brennan Poole. Okay, Uh, and I think that's an excellent point. Um, now, the other topic that I had on my list here, Jay, has to do with Martin Truex Jr. and uh, his working without Cole Pern this season. I miss having Cole Pern at the track, uh, but what are your thoughts about how Martin Truex Jr. is doing with his new crew chief? It's two races. Daytona is Daytona, and I don't know how many times, more times I'm going to have to say that, but... I know I saw and I saw some some feedback on Twitter and some finger pointing and name calling and it's just ridiculous but again it's two races he has still shown the speed the incident with the, with his uh tire this past weekend things like that are going to happen Cole Pern doesn't automatically make sure all four tires stay on the car or you know So I don't see any concern yet or major. You know, we know there's going to be some change, obviously. Again, no matter which crew chiefs you you place, you know, we talked about that on all the series and all the drivers and crew chiefs. So I think it is too early to to say anything about it yet. Obviously, we're going to keep an eye on it. But I don't think Martin's results so far this year have necessarily anything to do with the lack of Cole Pern. Yes, I 100% agree with you. I think it's way too early to start placing any blame anywhere uh, with regard to the team. If you look at the last couple of seasons, uh, Martin Truex Jr. uh, doesn't necessarily come up with a win until about five races into it, uh, if not a few more. So I'm not concerned yet for Martin Truex Jr. We've seen him racing at the front, uh, both at Daytona and at uh, Las Vegas, uh, things have come up that uh, maybe, you know, in, in Las Vegas he finished 16th um, uh, where it doesn't necessarily reflect how well he ran throughout the race. Uh, so I think we have to give this some time and and uh, uh, see how he does. Uh, it, again, let's revisit it again maybe uh, seven or eight races out and see how it stands at that point. Uh, and revisit that whole topic again. But uh, a lot of fans out there kind of given a lot of 
uh, blame already, and we're only two races into the season. So uh, let's give them some time to kind of work things out. I think that they will work things out, and I think we will see, uh, just based on what I've seen so far in the first two races with them continuing at the top, uh, throughout the race, I, I think we will see good things from Martin Truex and his new crew chief uh, for this season. So uh, we'll revisit down the road. It, it certainly is one that we will be watching throughout the year, whether it be a, all of a sudden we see him at the top again and saying, okay, it is the driver, you know, the team, the, um, everything. And I'm not taking anything away from the crew chief they brought in. Um. But it's way too early to be jumping the gun and saying that, you know, Martin can't win without Cole Pern. Like I said, the, the tire issue, we saw several other teams have tire issues that have been with the same crew chief for two or three years. So I, I don't see any they, – they're struggling right now. They haven't had the best finishes. Like I said, Daytona is what it is, and they're at Las Vegas, as you mentioned, where he was running versus where he finished following that issue. And truthfully, considering uh, what happened and the way he hit the wall, I think a 16th place finish was actually really good because it really looked like he mm-hmm. crushed that quarter panel of the car, which at Las Vegas with the aerodynamics yeah. could have been a huge factor. So I think they recovered well, which, again, sign of a championship team. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I, I think we need to just give them more time and, and not be throwing any blame around. Um uh, fans, of course, are going to do what fans do, and that's okay. But uh, just to kind of throw our two cents in on that, uh, that's that's where I'm at. Okay, and you thought you? I think you thought. I think you had another topic, uh, kind of at the tip of your tongue. Yeah, it, well, and we kind of talked about it throughout the uh, the review of the race and, and the article that you shared on Fan for Racing, the new faces that are in the top. 16 right now, again, two races in, both ways. You don't ever want to jump the gun. But just the fact that they are there right now that we're seeing that we have talked about, and this is specifically on the cup side, uh, Bubba Wallace having a great finish, Corey LaJoy being in the 16th spot, Ty Dillon being in the 10th spot. Just seeing at least for the point anyway, we know the cream is going to rise to the top. We'll see how that plays out for this season. But it is certainly enjoyable and that's what makes NASCAR so great is to see that Absolutely. mixture and see these other teams come up and build up to where Joe Gibbs is at, where Rick Hendrick is at with their teams. You know, some of those we're seeing the beginning of that build. So I really do like that. Yes, this is an article that came through on the NASCAR Wire, and it is written by Holly Kane. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with her, uh, and I think it's a great article. It really brings up uh, a, a really good point that we are seeing new faces and new places here. And uh, I, I think it's good for the sport that we're seeing new faces in new places. And while we're talking about that, Matt DiBenedetto is one of the guys uh, that is mentioned in this particular article. And uh, another feature that I'm looking at doing here at Fan for Racing is a Fan for Racing focus on either a driver, a crew member, or some other member of the industry. Um, But uh, a focus feature, and this week, uh, I'm looking to put together an article that does uh, put a focus on Matt DiBenedetto with his second-place finish at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this past weekend. 
uh, I thought he should be our fan focus or, or our driver focus uh, feature uh, for our debut of this uh, feature. So look for that coming out uh, sometime this week as well. Most certainly one worthy of it, not just the second place at uh, Las Vegas, which was good for the Wood Brothers. I'm trying to remember what what they said the last uh, top five finish was on the 1.5-mile track. But, again, he also had a good showing as far as run-wise at Daytona, which we knew he would, and we knew the Wood Brothers are capable of when we talked about going back to Trevor Bain's 2011 win um, for that team. And we talked about that already. I'm sorry. There you go. And, you know, as you mentioned, 10th in, in the points. Um, but we talked about that of that opportunity already when that announcement was made last year of that could be a really good situation for Matt DiBenedetto. And he is proving that he is worthy of that phone call to come take that ride. And I'm excited about where he could take that team as well. I know there's a lot of the older fans out there that feel they've become disassociated with the sport. If the Wood Brothers are back running top 10 and battling for a championship, I think you're going to see some of them tuning back in. Absolutely. And and uh, I think Holly Kane, getting back to her article, really does a good job of, of uh, spotlighting some of this up-and-coming talent. And some of these guys are not up-and-coming. Some of these drivers are veterans of the sport, but now they have that opportunity, uh, and it's really going – an opportunity that's really working well for them. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is one of those guys. Uh, you know, who would have thought him going to the number 47 uh, with JTD Doherty would have him uh, looking so good – already in this season with his third-place finish at uh, uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway and a third-place showing in, uh, I believe, is this his point standings I'm looking at in the series? I know he had a third-place finish. Let me look at where he is on the point standings. He's fifth in the series point standings. So that has to be a career best for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And he's not a newbie. He's one of the veterans of this sport. But this is working out for him, uh, this new arrangement. And and that's one of the things we talked about when, the, again, that announcement was made, that we kind of felt like Chris Busher moving over to Roush Fenway. They were kind of on the rise upward again. We talked about Richard Childress racing. Roush Fenway racing has gone through that. They got a little bit of a hiccup missing Ryan Newman, which we all hope to see back at the track very soon. Some more positive reports coming out uh, today. Um Newman made a statement through the press release that he intends to be back and battle for the championship this year. So seems like that timetable for return is going to be rather short, uh, and he still has and his driving determination. That, uh, that was, there was on several of the Twitters. I don't have a specific one. Was that from his Remember, statement this weekend? I believe so, yes. Okay, then we had that posted at Band for Racing as well. Okay. Okay. Um, so this one, the, the move between Chris Buescher, we kind of expected him to be at that level with Roush Fenway. The Ricky Stenhouse over to JTG Dordery was a little bit more questionable, but I think, as you mentioned, Stenhouse is, is resurging as a driver. And, again, I go back to building that team that JTG Dordery has been working very hard to get a solid two-car team you know, they've had a couple of different driver combinations um, and had some good runs throughout a year but never really been a top 
contending team, whether it be one or both drivers. And I think we're going to see that in the near future. And I think Stenhouse could be the one to lead them there. Yes, indeed. Uh, and and I think that that is going to end up being a very positive move uh, in the long run. Uh, some other names, uh, uh, you know, Austin Dillon is talked about in this article, along with Bubba Wallace from Richard Petty Motorsports. These are drivers that have been around for a while, but they're kind of coming in their own now, and it's showing for them in these first two races uh, this season. So it might be one of those seasons where we see uh, a new brigade kind of coming in, uh, and we'll be talking about the, the the usuals, you know, the Kevin Harvicks and Martin Truex Juniors and uh, Joey Logano's and Kyle Bush's that we're used to seeing uh, contending for this championship. How how these new group of people, the future of NASCAR, if you will, are kind of moving in uh, and uh, taking their spot in that battle. And that certainly is is very true. And and we talked about it a little bit last year. Again, you expect to see Jimmy Johnson as a championship contender. He missed the playoffs for the first time last year. That means somebody else is in, and that's what these drivers we're talking about right now are capitalizing on that and being the ones currently in that top points position, again, after only two races. But that also means those other teams are chasing them, which that alone says something. You know, if one of these top teams is having to chase down and beat to get in, you know, I mean, that says something, and and we're seeing that from several teams, several drivers, and again, to me, that is what makes this sport great. <laughs> well, it sure gives us something great to talk about, Jay, and that's uh, what Hot Topic uh, Sound Off is all about. Uh, we missed Sandy today, but again, he will be giving some of his thoughts on uh, a couple of these Hot Topics in his Hot Topic segment uh, that is coming out sometime this week. So fans can definitely watch for that. And, Andy, we hope you'll be back with us on Thursday uh, as we talk about the hot topics going into the racing at Auto Club Speedway. Well, we certainly do miss him. Like I said, I was actually really looking forward to, to his commentary on tonight's hot topics, which we ended up with more than what I thought we would. Um, hopefully I didn't take up too much time there on the penalty one, but we'd have been to, we'd have spent a whole hour on that if Andy would have been in there with me because I know he was just as uh, adamant about certain aspects of it. Okay. And uh, in addition to Andy coming back on Thursday, we will look forward to having Sal Sagala uh, back in the co-hosting role of our Monday night show uh, this coming uh, Monday night that will be into March already. Uh, so we are talking about March the 2nd uh, that Sal Segala will be back with us. So we'll definitely look forward to having him back here as well. Uh, we start at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time uh, for both our review show and our preview show. And our hot topics is always at 10 p.m. And, uh, of course, we appreciate all of our listeners, whether you're listening to the live broadcast or the podcast. So we hope you'll continue to tune in. And with that, uh, Jay, let's uh, do our roundtable here. All right. Well, you can, me, we can, you can follow me. You can follow me. Well, then it's a straight line if you're not going around, huh? Um, <laughs> exactly. Follow me on uh, Facebook at Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. 
And as far as upcoming things, obviously talked about the uh, article I plan on doing on the crew chief swap there at Penske, and apparently I'm going to have to kind of keep my thoughts a little more to myself there, being that Sharon can read my mind and know what's coming. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, okay, and Jay does have an article coming out tomorrow as well on who's next in the series that uh, where names are made. And so you can look for that article coming out uh, tomorrow. And then also uh, the fan focus or the driver focus. Uh, it's actually a focus feature that we're doing uh, periodically throughout the season here, uh, starting with Matt DiBenedetto. So that will be coming out this week as well. I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, and we are Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere on social media. Uh, the, we're trying to get this chat feature going during our live broadcast. Uh, we didn't get any response again tonight, uh, Jay, so I don't know if we'll continue to do that uh, with nobody responding on our chat feature. We'll have to wait and see if anybody responds uh, from the podcast. But uh, uh, if you want to keep that going, uh, you'll need to start responding so that we know that there's interest in doing that. Otherwise, uh, I think we'll just stop the fan, uh, the room chat room feature for the radio show, but we, of course, we will continue to do it with our race day chat, which seems to be going pretty well. You know, I kind of had that thought, and I know we kind of talked about it offline as well. Uh, the race day uh, certainly seems to be a, a more popular one. Um, you know, I don't know if during the week fans are um, work with work and dinner and kids or whatever. Um, that yeah, unfortunately, maybe we will have to cut that out. Well have to see how long uh, you want to take to, to evaluate that. But uh, I know tonight, actually, I couldn't even get logged in. I was logging in, and it was one of them wouldn't connect uh, via my laptop, and the one via the phone was taking me back to, I believe it was Saturdays. Oh, wow. Okay, that's strange. Um, because I have it posted right on the uh, promotion piece at the uh, front page of uh, Fan for Racing. Uh, making it easy for fans to get to. Uh, I will say, uh, we'll wait and see what happens on the podcast. Um, You know, if this is something that fans aren't interested in, I I can appreciate that. But at the same time, if we can get some engagement with the fans uh, through the chat room uh, during our broadcast or podcast, uh, I think that would be great because it helps us too. Uh, it will enhance our conversation here on the radio show as well to hear from fans and be able to share their thoughts on on this as well. And I know sometimes fans don't feel like calling into the radio show, but they're more comfortable uh, maybe in that chat room environment. So we'll see how it goes and take it from there. Uh, But we will certainly continue the race day chat throughout the season, Uh, maybe not every weekend, uh, but we will be up this weekend with that race day chat, and we know we get a lot of fan engagement there. So uh, thanks to everybody for that. I most certainly hope that we do see some more interaction on it because we do enjoy it. And like you said, that that is what this sport is about, is all those differing opinions. You know, we, we share ours. And even though we don't always agree, the, the conversation revolving around why and what that different perspective is, is really what makes especially talk shows interesting. 
Absolutely. And and the thing that I like is we're always respectful and uh, we can walk away laughing when when all of our opinions have been shared. And I think that's a good thing. So um, with that, I think we're ready to call it a wrap day, and we'll look forward to talking to everybody on the other side for Thursday night's uh, preview show of Auto Club Speedway. All right. Looking forward to it. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.